And we are on air for Fan for Racing Radio. This is Thursday night, April the 13th, and uh, we've got another big night here planned for all of our listeners. Now, uh, tonight we are doing our Martinsville NASCAR Weekend Preview along with our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. In the first half hour, we are going to start with Short Track News and then the Arca Menards East and West Series Updates. In the second half hour, our guest comes on board, Austin Wayne Self with AM Racing is going to join the conversation. They've got some new things going on uh, within AM Racing, so we'll talk to him about that. Afterward, we preview the NASCAR Truck Series at Martinsville Speedway, and in our third half hour, we're going to preview the NASCAR Xfinity and Cup Series at Martinsville Speedway this weekend. 10 o'clock is our uh, NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off discussion with the Fan for Racing crew, and uh, I believe Mike as well as Tommy are going to join both Jay and I. So welcome to the show as co-host for tonight, Jay Huseman. Welcome. Thank you, Sharon. Yet another week. I know we're all feels like uh, midway through the season as we just got started, though. But just get excited each and every weekend. Martinsville, a big race weekend for the NASCAR series with all top three series running. Yes, indeed. Always fun when there's a triple header uh, in the books for uh, NASCAR. All right. Uh, we're going to um, go until about uh, for the next uh, few minutes here talking about some of the short track racing news. Uh, that uh, we're going to start over at Racing America. Uh, I want to start with uh, Jet Nolan is chasing more Montgomery Glory. Uh, Nolan is a two-time winner in the Show Me the Money Pro Late Model Series at Montgomery Speedway, driving the number 50. That's the ASA Southern Super Series. And they're going to roll in uh, to Montgomery uh, Speedway this weekend, Jay. Yeah, again, hopefully uh, weather holds out for them. I know in this area we got a lot of looking out for, for weather, but hopefully they get that in. And, and Jet Nolan, one of those that uh, you know as a regional star, I think we may see that change a little bit as, as he's chasing uh, more victories there in Montgomery and becomes a bigger name throughout racing. Okay, well, racing will get underway if it doesn't rain at 7.30 p.m. Central Time, Saturday, April the 15th. And the ASA Super Series will be joined by other local outlaw divisions for 40 laps and the late model sportsmen who will go 40 laps as well. There will be an on-track autograph session at 6.30 p.m. Central. So uh, folks in that area uh, can look forward to that race for sure. I know I've been to uh, Montgomery Speedway itself. Uh, That's certainly a track you want to visit if you're in the area in the uh, Alabama, Mississippi, Florida area. One you want to put on your bucket list as far as one of the local asphalt tracks that, again, doesn't get credit for necessarily helping build NASCAR, but is one of the grassroots tracks that a lot of drivers are familiar with. Okay. Uh, Some news here that kind of crosses over with our... um uh, truck Series is Ty Majeski, a five-time ASA Midwest Tour champion, has multiple starts planned in the Super Late Model Series, uh, and it could lead to a chase for the uh, National Tours Championship under the right conditions. So he's going to race 
those first seven ASA Stars events. If everything goes well, he may uh, go after the title this year. And that would be extremely interesting. We've seen drivers do the East and West series and try and run for double championships. To see it in an ASA late model series as well as the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series, which he was a championship contender last year. So uh, that would definitely be a story worth watching and seeing uh, develop. Yes, indeed. And then also, real quick, and we'll move over to flow racing, Zane Smith is going to pilot the number 51 Rick Ware racing entry at Martinsville. We've been wondering who's going to fill that seat. It turns out that it's going to be Zane Smith this weekend. This is one of those we'll have to see what uh, what develops again. Uh, it's an unfortunate situation the way it came about. With that, somebody has to fill in. I don't know that they could have taken a better choice than Zane Smith, and it'll be interesting to see if that, how that develops long term. How long we have to wait for uh, Cody Ware to return if he does, and how that goes. But uh, great opportunity for Zane Smith, and, and you just feel like he's going to capitalize on it. A lot of them within a lot of analysts within the industry as well as other drivers uh keeping an eye on him they've seen his development and know that he's the real deal definitely okay (laughs) excuse me moving over to flow racing there are 35 drivers that are entered for sunday's usac silver crown opener out of terre haute indiana indiana this is another one that i oh go ahead Okay, for our previous uh, winners, including Cody Swanson in 2014, Shane Cockrum in uh, 2015, C.J. Leary in 2016, plus two-time winner and defending champion Justin Grant in 2018 and 22. <laughs> no, this, is, this doesn't get a whole lot of coverage or hasn't in the past other than within the region, but... Again, you look at some of the drivers that have come through the USAC series, starting back with Jeff Gordon. That's where he came from. I uh, believe Christopher Bell, Kyle Larson, Rico Abreu. Um, they've all spent time in these cars. Those are the kind of names that can develop and, and achieve great things at the NASCAR Cup level. So keep an eye on that. It's definitely worth watching. Uh, the USAC uh, cars are uh, a breed of their own. I'll say that. They definitely are. Uh, and uh, a lot of fun to watch. Uh, they usually race on dirt, so uh, that makes it a lot of fun. Now, um, I'm going to move on here because we, we want to make sure we catch uh, as much as we can. There are six storylines for the Spring Showdown, Pitts USAC versus MCSCS Saturday at Tri-State. So uh, that's going to be an interesting article to read as well. Um, uh, KTJ and Cummings waged their war at the top, taming the tricky tri-state, knowing it like the back of their hands, and it tells you who who is that, and Jaden and the footstep followers. <laughs> and the last, or I guess there's two more, the Bloomington tri-state double and the first first at the spring showdown. <laughs> Again, hopefully so uh, everybody race, is able to... Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, thank Hopefully, again, everybody gets, gets, gets in there racing this weekend as we really do get through uh, midway through this month and into uh, May. These North 
mid or Midwest and uh, northern states finally get to start racing. Yes, indeed. Uh, they're going to race Saturday, and uh, the cars will get on the track at 6 p.m., uh, followed immediately by qualifying and racing. So the pits open at 3. Uh, the grandstands open at 4, and driver's meeting will be at 5.15. Cars get on the track at 6 p.m., followed by qualifying and then the race. So tickets are still available if anybody uh, wants to get out there and see that race. And, again, I highly encourage it. I, there are so many tracks I hear about through Indiana, Illinois, uh, in your area, Sharon, that I would just absolutely love to get the opportunity to go to. I know we get to watch them on TV, thanks to Flow Racing, Mav TV, and uh, Racing America. But if you get the opportunity to visit some of these tracks, take advantage of it. Yeah, definitely. Okay, now Rico Abreu, that's a name that people know here in uh, NASCAR. Rico Abreu is focused on positives after suffering a flat tire while leading Tuesday's High Limit Sprint Car Series opener at Lakeside Speedway. So there's an article about it. Uh, Rico's always had a really good attitude about these kinds of things and is ready to move on. Uh, but um, And he usually does find the positives, but uh, definitely an article worth checking out. Most certainly. I met him in the garage a couple of times. Uh, I don't know that I've ever seen him really down. I mean, even when things aren't, like you said, going his way necessarily, he definitely does bring a positivity to a team, the atmosphere. One of the drivers, and I say this uh, kind of jokingly, but that you want to look up to, uh, I mean, in all seriousness. Without a doubt. Okay, uh, moving over to short track scene. They've got uh, quite a few articles here. Big cars, big storylines. The champ car racing is alive and well in advance of the 2023 season, and they're talking about the USAC Silver Crown. So, uh, again, uh, a lot of really good information here uh, from – it's a press release, actually, uh, that you can get a lot of really good information about that uh, race that is coming up. Uh, ASA brand has a deep history at Montgomery. We just talked about that race. That's another press release uh, that they've got posted over uh, at Short Track Scene. We talked about the 2023 Kawiki Driver Development Program and the finalists that were announced there. Uh, But if you haven't heard about that, uh, they do have that up over at uh, Short Track Scene as well. Uh, now, Luke Baldwin is going to make his car's uh, pro late model debut at Hickory Motor Speedway. So, and Logan Seavey is uh, set for a civil crown run. So a lot of great information about short track scene here at short track scene. And I can't thank the uh, men and women that uh, dedicate their lives to covering these. Uh, again, I know my dad wanna, lives in Minnesota getting to this information and to be able to watch a lot of these races, but staying up to date thanks to sites like Short Track Scene. That's right. Uh, Matt Weaver uh, does a lot of the work over here at this site, uh, and there's others as well, but uh, it's it's really a lot of fun um, to uh, check out what's happening in the super late models, the pro late models, the late models, the modifieds, and other series. Uh, and they have commentary articles that are over at that uh, website as well. And, in fact, there's a commentary about mobile um, 
It was an interesting and newsworthy and fun weekend on the Gulf Coast. And then there's also a commentary article here, open letter to ASA super late model drivers capitalize on this moment. Uh, so great articles written here as well. Uh, most certainly. Check them out when you can. All right. Uh, anything else that you want to make sure we mention? I know uh, you're involved with some of the local short track racing that goes on. Yeah, uh, mainly on the dirt side. Again, I've visited Huntsville and Montgomery, uh, definitely two tracks that have their roots that lead to NASCAR, if you will. So uh, I just highly encourage fans to get out and see some of these races. The drivers you get to meet later on, you'll be like, see them on TV. Uh, We've gone to Nashville Speedway for the All-American 400 as well, another big one when it comes to uh, the super late models. So just get out and see these tracks and see some of the drivers. And you get that experience of being able to meet these drivers. Um, You don't always have that chance as they move up the ladder and get busier with sponsorship deals and whatnot. So uh, take advantage of it. Absolutely. Uh, Short track uh, racing is always a lot of fun and uh, a lot cheaper than if you're going to uh, uh, some of the bigger uh, tracks, uh, you know, where it costs a lot more to take your family. So it's a great family activity um, for those people that have families, and you never know when you might be uh, raising the next uh, short track star. Okay, we're going to move over to the Arkham Menard series now. Okay. Uh, The next race uh, are coming up, the next races, I should say, are coming up next weekend. So we'll be previewing those races on next Thursday night. Uh, The Arkham Menard series is going to be racing the General Tire 200 on April the 22nd, 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time at Talladega Super Speedway. That will be televised on Fox Sports 1. So that's in conjunction with uh, NASCAR's arrival there. So uh, always a big event uh, for the Arkham Art Series. It is a huge weekend all the way around of racing at the Talladega Super Speedway as well as the Talladega Short Track, the Hornet's Nest, uh, right down the road there. So you want a full weekend of racing, Talladega is a place to go. It certainly is. Also on April 22nd, though, those folks that are out on the West Coast will want to head out to Kern County Raceway Park for the Arkham and Art Series West race that will take place uh, out there on April 22nd at 11.15 p.m. Eastern Time. That will be live-streamed on Flow Racing, so if you're not a member there yet, you want to make sure you sign up for that so that you can watch that race be a live streaming, but uh, in case you don't, there is radio coverage that's available over at ARCARacing.com, and they also have a race central where you can keep up with all of the uh, uh, events that are happening on the track, so uh, definitely uh, a lot of ways to take in this race. And I'll have to utilize my resources there, like you mentioned, some of these resources, as I believe Andy's going to cover uh, Thursday night's preview, so... I'll have to get up to speed, though, and I got the avenues to do it here at the Arkham Menard Series homepage. <laughs> That's right. 
Okay, and then the Arkham and Art Series East, their next race isn't until April the 28th, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time, the General Tire 125 out at Dover Speedway. Again, this race is in conjunction with, I believe, the uh, NASCAR uh, teams that will be racing there that weekend. It will be available uh, on Flow Racing live streaming and then, of course, the radio coverage and uh, Race Central over ArcaRacing.com. So uh, three big races coming up here in the Arkham Menard Series. And, uh, Jay, let's just cover the points. I think um, let's just cover the points for the Arkham Menard Series. All right, covering the uh, main series here. Let me get that loaded real quick before we jump over to the truck series. I know we've got ten minutes here. Uh, Greg Van Alst is still your points leader. Having picked up the victory at Daytona, but then also gotten another top 10. So he's got a 10-point lead over Frankie Munoz, Tony Constantino, Jesse Love, and Christian Rose rounding out the top five. In sixth place, he got Jack Wood. Tyler Reif uh, only making one start, but picking up a victory right now, sitting in seventh. Then Connor Mozak, Andres Perez-Dilara, and Tony Breidinger rounding out your top 10. And as it is right now, of those 10, eight of them have made both starts. Got uh, one or two just outside that, though, that are looking to climb in as they're making all the starts on the year. Yes, indeed. Okay. Um, Yeah, we've got, uh, I think we've got a couple of these drivers that are going to be on our radio show as guests coming up. I know Christian Rose is scheduled for this Monday and uh, we're trying to see if we can't get another driver for Thursday. I don't want to say yet because we haven't actually confirmed it yet, but uh, we do have another driver kind of in the wings here for Thursday night's show next week. Well, hopefully, uh, I know you're waiting to see if you can get that locked down and confirmed. Uh, Hope to see it happen, even if I'm not here. uh, Love to hear some of these drivers that we've had come on. Um, some great interviews. We had Nick Sanchez on this past week, an absolute great interview with him on uh, Monday night. Yes, it's always fun when we have the drivers come on board with us. Uh, okay, uh, two races in for the ARCA West as well, so let's go ahead and cover their points too, Jay. Uh, all right. Give me one second while I pull that one up. Now, in the West, West Series, we've had one standalone event as well as one um, joint venture there at Phoenix. So, again, these, these third, fourth races are really what established the, uh, the point standings. Right now, Tyler Reif leading the West Series with uh, one victory, two top fives, but it's only a two-point margin over Landon Lewis, who also has two uh, top fives as well. Then you got Trevor Huddleston in third. He's only 10 back. 11 back is Bradley Erickson and Kyle Keller. And that's your top five. Six spot, another guest we've had here on Fan for Racing, Sean Hinegrani, uh, sitting in sixth place, does have the one victory. Then Tanner Reif, Todd Souza, Takuma Koga, and David Smith rounding out your top ten. And with that, in this case, three different countries represented, uh, Canada, the U.S., and Japan. Yeah, that's kind of cool when we see that, 
the three different countries and and people involved uh, with the races. It's an international flair in the ARCA Racing Series. There's only one race in for the ARCA Menard Series East, so it's pretty much based on how they finished. Uh, that's going to kind of even itself out once they get that second race in on the 28th. But let's go ahead and hit those points as well, Jay. All right, that page is loading for me. As you mentioned, uh, only having the one race in there, uh, pretty straightforward from that result. And that starts with William Solich at the top, leading by seven points over Luke Fenhouse. Jake Finch, only eight points back. Sean Hinegrammy, and I believe, is he not going to run both series? Is he one of them that was going to run uh, full-time on both series? Yeah, I believe so. He's running with Venturini Motorsports, and he is running in both uh, both series, uh, Sean Hingarani. Hingarani, so, uh, again, you, you hear his name again. He's in fourth, nine points back. LeVar Scott, ten points back. Tyler Reif at 11 back. And, again, this is one race, so the points are all one point. Uh, Zachary Tinkle, Tanner Arms, R.J. Smotherman, and then Ed Pompa round out your top ten. Uh, that, again, is only after one race with William Solich picking up that victory. Yes, indeed. And we've had, uh, uh, as you mentioned, Tyler's been on the show. Uh, Sean Hingarani has been on our show. I, I believe Jake Finch maybe a year or so ago we had him on the show. Uh, but um, we're we're looking to get some more of these drivers on the show as well. And, again, I don't want to say who it is until we get a confirmation. Uh, but we'll have uh, some of these drivers. I know Zachary Tinkle's been on our show as well. Well, and those are ones you mentioned that, that I talked about of uh, Jake Garcia. We'll talk about when it comes to the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series, specifically the Rookie of the Year battle. But he is one that I got to see race there at Nashville Speedway at the All-American uh, 400. Uh, that's how you get to know these drivers and become invested in them. Absolutely correct. Uh, a lot of great articles over at ARCARacing.com. Uh, they let you know, uh, you know, we, we gave you the details about the Arkham and Art Series hitting uh, Talladega Super Speedway, the West Series out at Kern County Raceway Park. Uh, Reese's is going to return as an entitlement sponsor at the ARCA event at Lucas Oil Raceway Park. So that's pretty cool news. And Dutch Boy Paints also serving as an entitlement sponsor at the ARCA race at Springfield. So some great articles. Menard's uh, going to be the entitlement sponsor at Elko Speedway, Jay. Well, oh, that's awesome. Um, and that's one of those when we talk about the ARCA Menard series, I talk about Dutch Boy Paints as well as Reese's, and Reese's is doing a lot of, has done a lot of different things um, within the series. They got the Reese's Sweet Move of the Race, which uh, you love to check out there and can vote for at Arkham Menard Series homepage. Watch these races and see some of the highlights that are up for this weekly award is it, pretty impressive. And then for Reese's to be that sponsor, and then also as well as the entitlement sponsors for different races. You can't thank these sponsors enough. That and the fans in the stands are what make these races happen. Yes, it is. Uh, so we always uh, look forward to, um, you know, seeing any of the races in the Arca Menard Series. Arca, I mean, Menard's also a huge uh, sponsor of the Arca Series in all three of those series. So uh, definitely 
we want to support those organizations that are supporting the sport that we love, which is uh, local short track racing. Okay. Um, I'm going to go ahead and get into some uh, preliminary information here about our next guest, Austin Wayne Self with AM Racing. Uh, They've been in the sport for a while now, and we've seen Austin Wayne race in the NASCAR Truck Series, but he's been on Fan for Racing Radio way before he even started uh, racing, I think, in the Arca Menard Series. Uh, He was racing around the local tracks in the Lone Star State of Texas, and uh, we tapped him on the shoulder as a guest, uh, you know, way back when, if you will. And uh, he's always been so supportive of Fan for Racing Radio and coming on our show when we've asked and uh, we're definitely looking forward to talking to him again. Uh, Austin Wayne Self and AM Racing launched a dirt division uh, this past week. It's part of their future-focused initiative, and um, they're going to launch the AM Racing Dirt Division, which will offer turnkey dirt modified rentals for various modified events and divisions across the southeast. Uh, the program, of course, is going to be managed uh, by AM Racing mainstay driver, Austin Wayne Self. He will continue to pilot the team's number 23 dirt modified entry all across the southeast, including participating in events sponsored by American Racer Modified Tour and the Mid-East Modified Tour. So um, uh, he, <clears throat> we'll let him talk more about it when he comes on the show here. But uh, this is a big deal for AM Racing. They have progressed so well um, over the years, and uh, one, another person at that organization is a name uh, that so many of you have heard, and that is, um, well, let's see. I want to say Kevin Sawinski is a part of this organization as well. Yes, Um so uh, it, it's really amazing uh, what this organization has done in such a short period of time. So uh, it said uh, Kevin Sawinski, uh, the team principal, said adding the team's dirt division was important for the growth of the team's core foundation for months and years to come. And Austin, with his racing experience, uh, I think we'll add a lot to that program. So really excited about this announcement. When you mentioned the part, uh, part of it there, uh, Kevin Sawinski, and that goes back to we've talked about the AS, ASA revitalization uh, this year. I grew up watching him with a part of the original ASA series where some other stars, Mark Martin, Daryl Waltrip, uh, Rusty Wallace, Jimmy Spencer, that were all a part of that in the Midwest. Uh, Kevin Sawinski was one, another one that maybe didn't reach the same level, but was definitely involved. And it's great to see that he's still involved in this sport and now trying to, as you said, build for the future as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and uh, AM Racing is moving forward with this program and I'm going to bring uh, Austin into the queue here. He's already here. Uh, And uh, first of all, Austin, I want to say welcome back to the show. We always uh, look forward uh, to catching up with you. Yeah, it's great to be back on with you guys. It's been a little while, but but, uh, I got 
got uh, some cool things going on, and I'm uh, happy to be able to sit here and share share some stuff with you guys. Well, you guys made an announcement this past uh, week or so about uh, starting a new dirt division at AM Racing, and uh, you're going to kind of be the person that manages that uh, program, and you've already been out there racing on dirt. So tell us a little bit about how this came about. Well, I'd, uh, I've, I started dirt racing about two years ago uh, with a guy named Buck Stevens, who actually does uh, painting and Bondo stuff for, for us and many other uh, NASCAR teams. And, and so I started dirt racing, one, because I really wanted to do it. You know, I'd always wanted to do it, never had the opportunity. And, and two, it was, uh, you know, without being able to practice uh, a whole lot, you know, on race weekends and uh, and having no testing, I felt like uh, it was a good opportunity to, to stay fresh in a race car, uh, learn some new stuff. And, and so we started that in, in 2021 and last couple seasons, uh, I've done, uh, of course I've done full-time trucks, NASCAR trucks, but also doing this dirt stuff on the side, flying in, you know, uh, after the races coming in racing and, and um, through the off, this off season, you know, of course, with AM Racing expanding and building Xfinity team, um, I didn't have anything lined up in NASCAR, and and, uh, and I really wanted to, uh, you know, I felt like the Dirt program was something that was, you know, uh, you know, important to me, and felt like it was something that AM Racing could get behind, and and um, you know, you look at a lot of the drivers, you know, I'd say, I mean. Uh, all the guys in, and I see them all the time racing dirt, you know, at Millbridge, whatnot. But um, most of the NASCAR drivers you see now, they have dirt experience, you know. I mean, you look at some of the, the best out there right now. The guys that have won races this year, you know, Kyle Larson, Christopher Bell, all those guys, they're all they're all dirt racers. So um, I felt like it's a, a key part of development and and young drivers and drivers in general. And and um, you know, I feel like it was. Uh, it was a good opportunity for us to be able to add that to the AM racing banner. And, and of course, since I came up with the idea, I figured I might as well try to run it and, 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 uh, you know, manage it as well. I think that's fantastic. Now this is, this is something that, uh, it's not just about racing on the track. It's, it's about, uh, kind of a, a mentoring program as well for other people that want to come into the sport. Uh, tell us a little bit about that part of this. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, you know, like I said, I, I think AIM, AIM Racing and, and the direction they're going in, you know, with, with the with the full-time Xfinity team, of course, they still have uh, the 22 truck. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's been to every race so far this year, so that's been going well. Uh, of course, they got the ARCA program with Christian Rose, and um, you know here we here we are with the with the dirt program. You know, running 602 uh, dirt modifieds, and and I feel like it's it's part of the stepping stone for young drivers, right? And um, mm-hmm. and and even for me, it's uh, like I said, for me, I I didn't get into it until a couple of years ago, and um, I was able to learn a lot and 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 use it as well. And so I, I think it's a great opportunity for for of course you know drivers that are already established in NASCAR and want to uh, be able to race, uh, race on the weekends or, you know, uh, on a Saturday if they race Friday night or maybe a Friday night if they race Saturday, you know. So, um, of course, right now it's uh, – I'm still learning. 
uh, as far as a lot of the the uh, business side of things, in a sense, uh, what it takes to to run a dirt team. But I feel like it's been going all right. And and the other cool thing is uh, I'm getting to race the the car as well. We got three cars, so I'm, I'm I've been racing them, and and uh, we've uh, we've got a couple wins already this season. So yeah. um, we're having a lot of fun too. You know. Uh, well, I saw the photos uh, of uh, your race wins, and uh, you have how many races and two wins? Uh, I think five races. I want to say five races. And Something two like wins. That. We, yeah, and two wins, and and then of course, uh, I, you know, we had the second car, and I had Buck Stevens driving, and and he's won one as well. So, uh, as our as our dirt program, we've got. Three out of, I would say six or seven. You know, if you count both the cars on the track at the same time. So uh, right. yeah, it's been it's been awesome. It's been great. That is fantastic. And Kevin Sawinski uh, mentions in the in the press release uh, that it's not the last time we're going to see you in a NASCAR series. There's a chance that you'll be coming back. Yeah, I mean that's that's the. Uh, the goal, you know, the last thing, I'm definitely definitely not uh, done with NASCAR by any means at all. I plan on, on coming back, and not, I, I feel like I'm, I'm trying to get something together, and I feel like maybe, um, you know, later in the season I should have uh, – I'm trying to create a couple opportunities to, to get back in, in, uh, in a NASCAR, whether it's truck series or Xfinity series. Um, I'm looking to get back into it, and – and uh, have an opportunity to to to, to shine and, and do something there. Of course, you know um, everything going on with new partnership with Ford's been been really awesome. Uh, and um, you know it's it's uh, it's really cool to be able to see AIM Racing grow in, in in many different ways. Not only in the Xfinity Series, uh, but heck, man, we got we got a dirt team now. I mean, we we're covering <laughs> just about everything. I mean, I think I think the last step is getting the is getting uh, trying to get a cup car on the racetrack. Which this is not an announcement saying we're going to get a cup car on the racetrack. That'd be cool, but uh, <laughs> but we we got we got just about the whole step ladder system. So you do, and and I know Arca uh, Menard Series is a part of all of this too. Will we see you in some Arca Menard Series races? Uh, may, if I can convince Kevin, I think Kevin told me. I was, he, I think he told me I was done in the Arca series. He ain't gonna put me back in the car anymore. Oh. No, I'm just kidding. We, um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I feel like now, now that I'm not running full time, uh, this season, um, I think my focus would be trying to get back in the Xfinity series, the Truck series. I was kind of using, oh, okay. um, using the Arca series the last couple of years to, you know, if we we went to a road course or something to to try to get some uh seat time uh on those uh-huh. on those road courses so um but I, I definitely I definitely like I said I'm I'm, I'm planning on getting Christian Rose in the in the dirt car so um oh, okay but uh, I think my well, main focus is trying to get an Xfinity. Well we've had Christian Rose on the show a few times. Not as many times as you, Austin, but we have had Christian Rose on the show a few times as well. And uh he's got some great sponsors and uh, doing really well in the Arkham and Art Series, so that's really cool to hear. Uh, now, our co-host is here. That's uh, Jay Huseman, and I know he has some questions for you as well. 
So I'm going to pass uh, the mic over to Jay. Well, thank you, Sharon. And uh, Austin, I just want to say, uh, as a dirt track person, I can't even begin to say how great it is to see a team like yours get involved in this. And we've seen this more and more, I'd say over the past three to five years. I know NASCAR has started doing some dirt, but Arkham and Ards has always done dirt. What is it that really brought you into and made you decide that this is what you needed to do for your company as well as the future? Uh, you know, I think I think most of it, you know, if I'm being honest, was, uh, you know, I started, I, I'd done the ARCA races on dirt, I'd done the truck races on dirt, and I always felt like I, I did pretty well in those races. You know, I had a lot of good runs, rather be in the, in the ARCA series or the truck series, and and so when I started racing, uh, I guess what you call real real dirt cars, I, I think that's part of the part of the lingo now is calling them real dirt cars. You know, um, I just fell in love with it, and so you know I fell in love with it. Uh, I, I I really understood it, and um, like I said, I learned so much in the dirt car. Um, I felt like on that side, I felt like uh, it, it's great for development. But to be honest with you. I just wanted uh I wanted opportunity to go dirt racing and, and and be able to share that with other drivers. You know, I think that's that's really special being able to, to see somebody even if they've raced asphalt their whole life, you know, not and I've done it before where you know, you got truck series drivers that uh have have went came up through the ranks, raced uh asphalt late mall stuff and and uh I've been there with them the first time they get in a in a in a modified and and um you know, it's it's like being a kid kid again. I mean, you you find a new race craft and experience something you've never experienced before. Um, so that that's part of it. And then and then, like I said, I mean, um, you know, you see the uh, the dirt the dirt world and the asphalt world start to it's starting to intertwine a little bit. You know, I, I feel like uh, ten years ago or so, you know, um, we used to give each other hard times. You know, the dirt guys would rag on the on the asphalt guys and you know the asphalt guys would rag on the dirt dirt guys you know there used to be stickers that said you know uh asphalt is for getting to the track and dirt's for racing and then the asphalt guys would say stuff back so um nowadays you're, you're starting to see it intertwine and of course a lot of drivers i mean you know between kyle larson um christopher bell i mean it's got to be at least almost 50 percent of the guys in nascar now uh have a dirt background and um so I felt like it was a good opportunity to to be able to bring the dirt side into into NASCAR and, and to be able to have a uh you know full time NASCAR Xfinity team and uh truck series team to also have a dirt modified team as well. Um I thought it was really cool. You know, it's uh it's something that's good for the team, you know, creates opportunity not only for our drivers but but for young drivers and, and I feel like it not only opens the doors for us to be able to, to learn and, um, you know, expand the AM racing as a whole, but it also creates opportunities for young drivers that, um, you know, that want to get in NASCAR and have, have dreams to be cup drivers one day. You know, when I was, when I was young, uh, I didn't really, really know a path, uh, which, which way to go. You know, we kind of learned as we went. I didn't have anybody in my family that raced and, and, um, you know, I feel like here at AIM Racing now, we, we've kind of, in a sense, uh, we kind of have a path here, right? You know, where, where you can go into the dirt, the dirt world and race on, 
Friday, Saturday nights and um, work your way up through ARCA and, and Truck Series and Xfinity. And, and um, it's just really cool to be to be a part of it and, and watch AIM Racing grow. And, of course, for me also, um, you know, see things on a different side. Um, I'm learning a lot from Kevin Sawinski on the side of, of managing, uh, you know, everything it takes to get on a racetrack. Kevin's such a such a smart guy, and he's done it for so long. And, and uh, usually, you know, if I, if, I, if I have anything I need to know, any questions or help with anything, Kevin's always there. And, and uh, he's about the nicest guy I've ever met in racing and, and uh, super smart. And, and um, I'm really, really happy he's a part of AIM Racing. And, and um, you know, I look forward to learning everything I can and, and, uh, and uh, being a part of AIM Racing. But also, like I said, I'm also looking forward to getting back in the in uh, into NASCAR and either Xfinity or Truck Series as well. Well, you, you kind of hit on, on the other major question I had was managing that as far as uh, one team full time, one driver you're investing in, whether it be for your your team or not. But you're opening that door. It, you mentioned some of the Cup drivers that maybe want to get that chance. They need to practice on dirt. Uh, yourself, your team, and your drivers that you're developing, but then also opening it up to maybe an unknown driver that can only afford to get out for one or two races to give that opportunity to. What's the difference in managing that versus one team you're focused on for, say, a championship? Yeah, and that's, you know, that's something else as well, you know, uh, especially working with with, uh, Kevin and everybody aim racing, um, you know, when, when we go NASCAR racing, usually there's there's a schedule too, uh, where we know we're doing 23 races, and you know we know we're going to uh, Phoenix is the last race, and the first race is is Daytona, and, and the dirt world's dirt world's a little different as well. It's it's a lot of week to week stuff. There's some some point series we're running. Um, you know, for 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 me in, in my aspect of driving in the in the dirt stuff uh, this year is is a you know stay in a race car and, and uh you know keep the racecraft going but also I'm, I'm trying to win as many races as i can i don't know if i i haven't really decided what i'm going to do points wise but um you know but you're exactly right you know i think it's a great opportunity for for drivers that that want to go racing and um you know may not may not have that that money or the funding to go into nascar just yet but I mean, heck, this is a this opportunity to you know put your foot in the door and with a NASCAR team and and go dirt racing on the weekends and um, you know try to get your name out there that way as well. You know, just uh, that that's what we all we've all done that. You know, that's how you get started. That's that's what you do is is um, start the what you call the grassroots, which is uh, you know around here. You know, the dirt racing is what we're doing, and and um, like I said, it's a it's a great opportunity for for guys to go racing on the weekend and with uh, with the NASCAR team. All right. Well, before I turn it back over to Sharon for a wrap-up here, hopefully you can answer this with a quick yes and just tell me when. Are we going to see Kevin Sawinski in the car as well sometime down the road? <laughs> <laughs> hey, if it was up to me, I'd say yes. And uh, I actually, it's funny you say that. Uh, there was a pair of racing shoes. I don't think they're quite his size, but there's a pair of racing shoes on his desk today, and and I mentioned that, and so he he said, uh, you know, if, 
anything happens, you know, he's got to be ready to get back in the race car. Uh, so I don't know. I, like I said, we all try to convince Kevin to get back in the race car. I don't know if he will or not, but uh, we do talk about it a lot, and that's kind of a running joke is, is uh, you know, whenever we need a backup driver, Kevin's always ready. He's got his racing shoes on, on the desk. Well, tell him he got a fan who grew up watching him wants to see it. And with that, I'll turn it back over to Sharon. I, I will. Thank you. Thank you. It's really cool, really cool to talk about Kevin and, and uh, especially somebody that was following him back when he was up in Minneapolis and, and all that and r- racing ASA. So I'm, he'll be excited to hear about that. All right. Well, uh, Austin, I remember the days, I think when we first started talking with you, you hadn't even gone gotten to the Arkham Menard series yet. You were racing uh the local tracks in the state of Texas. Uh and uh I tell you what, I think this is a perfect fit for you because I remember you talking about how difficult it was not really being sure what direction to go uh to keep moving your um your career forward and now here you are helping other drivers who are in that same situation and something that you can certainly relate to. I I think it's a wonderful program. Yeah, I appreciate it. And, and, uh, yeah, I think, I think that's really cool. It's been really cool. Like I said, I've always enjoyed, uh, being able to be on talking with you. Uh, you've, you've pretty much been there the entire, the entire, uh, way. Um, you know, when I first started talking to you, I was I was a kid myself. Now I got kids. I'm married. I've been through the truck series, Arca series, and and um, you know, like I said, I, I I have plans to continue forward to 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 get to the Cup series. And and uh, right now I've I have opportunities to do do other stuff, like you said, with working with young drivers. And and um, yeah, you've you've been around for the whole thing. So I think that's that's been really really special to me so i i appreciate you continuing to call me and, and talk to me and like i said i always enjoy uh getting to talk with you guys well we always enjoy talking with you too austin and and i did see that you're a daddy now uh a little girl right yep i got a little girl named zeppelin and um man that that might be the next thing we might have a uh, a micro micro sprint team, something we might be racing a Millbridge in the next couple of years. So we we might quite literally have the full full thing going on. I might have to start a a go kart team and the and the micro sprint team and have the whole thing going because she's uh, <laughs> every time she gets near a steering wheel, she's grabbing the steering wheel and and uh, she's she's not scared. So I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing. I think I think mom mom wants to see her in a race car. So we will see. Well, we enjoyed talking with you and your wife uh, about a year or so ago, too. So uh, I know she's heavily involved in uh, racing as well. And uh, first of all, before we say goodbye, Austin, I want to make sure, in case you didn't get a shout-out done here, I want to give you a chance to do any shout-outs before we say goodbye. Yeah, I just want to give shout-outs to to AIM Racing and, and, um, of course, Ford and and um, I really want to give shout-outs to, you know, my the, the guys at the Dirt Shop, you know, Buck Stevens and Daniel and, and Charlie, all of them, guys uh, working hard to, to get this new program going and um, had some had some late nights and and uh, 
we're all excited to get this thing going. So I want to give a shout-out to them. Okay. Well, uh, we hope uh, things continue to go well. I think uh, your track record's uh, pretty good so far. And uh, we'll look forward to hopefully getting a chance to talk to you again somewhere down the road here. Well, I hope so. I hope you come back. (laughs) You know I will. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Austin, thanks so much for coming on and kind of giving us a little more insight into your uh, dirt division there at AM Racing. Uh, We're real excited for it, and uh, uh, we'll definitely be watching, okay? I appreciate it. It was great talking with you guys. Enjoy the rest of your night, and and, um, enjoy Martinsville weekend. We certainly will. Take care, Austin. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. All right. That is Austin Wayne Self at AM Racing and telling us more about the dirt division that they just launched. And, uh, wow, I tell you what, that is so exciting. I think it's a perfect fit for Austin and AM Racing, what they're doing. It certainly is, and you can tell the passion he has for it. Uh, as yes. mentioned, he, he's aware of he's not full-time, still wants to give to the sport, opening that doors for others that maybe he didn't have or struggled to find. Uh, so many great things they're doing with this uh, AM, AM Racing and now the, the Dirt Division. Exactly, and uh, I know they're going to do a good job. I'm, I've been impressed with AM Racing. I think they've done a lot. They're racing in the, as he mentioned, in the Xfinity Series. They're racing in the Truck Series. They've had some uh, races in the Arkham Menard Series, uh, and now they're they're going to be out there on dirt. And uh, I don't think this is the last of the development that we're going to see at AM Racing. I, 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 he's talking about uh, getting ready for his daughter to start racing. So uh, we might see some other divisions there. <laughs> well, and that's what uh, we've seen it with others. Uh, Kyle Busch Motorsports, I know they got late models, Junior Motorsports. It's building that full spectrum um, and it's not just about building their own brand, but also giving back the opportunity to others. It certainly is. All right. Uh, uh, we're going to have to move on here. We've still got to go get into our uh, truck series preview. Uh, but uh, we'll have to get Austin back on again because I've got so many other questions I want to ask him. But um, let's talk about trucks, Jay. They're going to be racing this weekend out at Martinsville. Uh, the Craftsman's Truck Series, the Long John Silvers 200 at Martinsville Speedway this Friday, April the 14th. That's tomorrow night, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. It will be on Fox Sports 1 with pre-race coverage at 6.30 p.m. Eastern and radio coverage on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. They will race a distance of 105.2 miles over 200 laps uh, the first two stages are 50 laps apiece, with stage one ending on lap 50, stage two on lap 100, and the last stage is 100 laps, ending on lap 200. So where do we start with the truck series, Jay? Well, we talk about those young guys, and one of them is Monday night's guest, uh, Sanchez, as he maintains the Sunoco Rookie of the Year lead. The 2023 Craftsman Rookies head to Martinsville Speedway, with Rev Racing's Nick Sanchez continuing to dominate the Rookie of the Year standings, right now 20 points ahead of McAnally-Hilgeman Racing's Jake Garcia, who we mentioned earlier. 
Uh, closing that gap, though, in second. Now, Sanchez has been the leader of the rookie standings most of the year. In the six starts, he's put up two poles, one top five and two top tens, and led a total of 187 laps. Now, Garcia, who's 20 points back, has earned the Sunoco, tied for the earning the most Sunoco Rookie of the Year, or Rookie of the Race awards, um, with his sixth-place finish at the Bristol Dirt Race. So far, Garcia's put up one top five and three top tens. So Sanchez sits at 148 points with three of the race awards. Garcia at 128 points with three of the awards. And then Rajah Karuth at 106, Daniel Dye, 92, Brent Holmes at 79, and Taylor Gray just getting his season underway now with 44. All right. So uh, we talked a little bit about that with Nick. Uh, he's, he's, he took it pretty much in stride, saying uh, he's just worried about going out there and doing his best every race. So, uh, And I'll tell you what, that's getting the job done. All right, Brad Perez looks to make his first career oval start in the number 20 Young's Motorsport Chevrolet. He's a first-generation racer, uh, and all six of Perez's NASCAR starts since his debut in 2022 have come on road courses, and he's finished every race within the top 25. Uh, So this is a bit of a change of pace for Perez, uh, but he did quip that he's excited to turn left finally. So we'll look forward to seeing Brad Perez on the racetrack this weekend. Well, some others we're going to see on the track are new names uh, to the truck series. William Solwich, Jonathan Schaefer, and Memphis Villarreal are going to attempt to make their truck series debut. Of the 38 entries for 36 spots this weekend at the Long John Silver 200, those three drivers will attempt to make their NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series track debut. William Solich will be getting behind the wheel of the number one Tricon Garage Toyota. Solich is also a first-generation race car driver from Eden Prairie, Minnesota. Started racing at the mere age of nine with the goal of becoming the first person from Minnesota to win a NASCAR Craftsman Truck Xfinity and Cup Series race. His racing resume includes the Arkham Menard Series, late model stock series, and the super late model series. And Jonathan Schaefer, he's a winner on the Cars late model stock tour uh, last season. He'll make his NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series debut. He'll be piloting the On Point Motorsports number 30 Toyota. Now Schaefer has competed in several different uh, racing divisions throughout his career, starting at four and a half years old, racing in those USAC quarter midgets. And Memphis Villarreal, uh, he'll attempt to make his series debut in the number 46 G2G racing Toyota. Although he's a primarily a dirt track racer, the Texas native will finally live his dream of racing at Martinsville Speedway. Very cool. Okay, they're on a hot streak. Nine different winners in the last nine races at Martinsville. So Martinsville Speedway continues to uphold the race winner's streak uh, with those nine different winners dating back to 2017. Uh, The streak is right now tied with Phoenix Raceway, uh, November 7, 2014 to uh, November 4, 22, and Bristol Motor Speedway from August of 2014 to September of 2022 for the longest active streaks in the truck series. 
The different winter streak started in 2017 when Chase Elliott took the checkered flag in the spring race, followed by Noah Gregson in the fall. And then it was John Hunter Niederbeck in the 2018 spring race and Johnny Sauter in that falls race. Kyle Busch won the spring race uh, in 2019, but it was Todd Gilliland taking that win in the fall race. Grant Enfinger uh, won there in 2020, and Zane Smith in 2021, and it was William Byron in 2022. So now as the series is going to head back to the half-mile track, uh, with four previous winners entered, will we see a previous winner in victory lane, or will the streak stay alive? Uh, ben Rhodes is familiar with the paperclip, paperclip. The driver of the number 99, Thorsport Racing Ford, has had back-to-back impressive finishes at that track, cracking both the top five in 22 and the top 10 in 2021. So we'll see what happens this weekend. Well, and this Craftsman Truck Series will take on that paperclip under the lights as this weekend's Long John Silver's 200 at Martinsville Speedway will be Friday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. They're on FS1, MRN, and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. And it marks the 40th NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series race hosted by the Half Mile Short Track. The inaugural event dates back to September 25, 1995, when Joe, where Joe Rutman led the final two laps to take the win. The 45 NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series races at Martinsville total have produced 29 different pole winners and 32 different race winners. Nine races have been won from that pole or first starting position, the last victor being Chase Elliott in 2017. Four of the 32 NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series uh, Martinsville race winners are entered this week into this weekend's Truck Series race. And that includes Kyle Busch, who won it in 2016 and 19, Matt Crafton with a pair in 2014 and 15, Grant Infinger in 2020, and then Zane Smith in 2021. Of course, for racing's Matt Crafton, he's raced in 39 of those 45 truck series races at the paperclip-shaped track, the most, obviously, of any driver. Crafton leads the series at Martinsville with 11 top fives, 23 top 10, and 34 lead lap finishes, with a total of 8,612 laps completed. Now, the Craftsman Truck Series will get the jump on the weekend, started with practice and qualifying. That will be Friday, April 14th afternoon, 3.05 p.m. Eastern Time. be covered on FS1. Okay, moving on to the Xfinity Series. Uh, they also are racing at... Uh, Martinsville Speedway and the call 811.com before you dig 250. Uh, that race will take place Saturday, April the 15th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And pre-race coverage will be on Fox Sports 1 starting at 7 p.m. Eastern. Radio coverage, MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. They will race a distance of 131.5 miles over 250 laps. Uh, first two stages are 60 laps each. Stage one ends on lap 60, stage two on lap 120, and the last stage will be 130 laps ending on lap 250. So in the Xfinity series, what are we looking at? 
Well, we got some debuts here as well uh, to the series anyway. Corey Himes going to make Xfinity Series debut. That'll be coming up though at Dover. He's a NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series regular, Corey Heim. He's going to get behind the wheel of the number 24 Sam Hunt Racing Toyota at Dover Motor Speedway when he makes his Xfinity Series debut. The 20-year-old driver won the Sunoco Rookie of the Year honors in the Truck Series last season and posted two wins coming in Atlanta and Gateway. Okay, another driver, Caden uh, Honeycutt, to join CHK Racing at Martinsville. He'll be attempting his uh, Xfinity Series debut this weekend behind the wheel of the number 74 Chevrolet with CHK Racing. Uh, he races in the E-NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series and part-time in the Craftsman Truck Series. His debut in the Truck Series was also at Martinsville Speedway last year. So uh, we'll look forward to seeing Caden Honey cut back on the track this weekend. Next up, we got to look at that Sunoco Rookie of the Year battle continuing. For the 2023 Sunoco Rookie of the Year contenders, now having seven races under their belts as they head to Martinsville Speedway for some great short track racing action. Currently leading the pack is the Xfinity Series' most recent winner, Chandler Smith. The colleague racing driver secured his spot in the playoffs with a win at Richmond. He's also got four top fives, four top tens, and he sits with 253 points. Sliding in next is Joe Gibbs Racing's Sammy Smith, also secured his spot in the playoffs with his first Xfinity Series career win, coming back at Phoenix Raceway earlier this season. Now he's racked up a total of 203 points with his one win, two top fives, and two top tens. And we got Jordan Anderson's Jordan Anderson Racing's Parker Retzlaff is in third at the rookie class. He has 121 points. He's posted one top five and one top ten in the seven starts. And closing out the competition, we've got Blaine Perkins with 37 points. All right. Uh, moving on here, we're going to talk about the Eyes on the Prize, Martinsville edition. Two previous winners are entered this weekend in the Xfinity Series race at Martinsville. Uh, they include uh, Junior Motorsports teammates Josh Berry and Brandon Jones. Now, Berry raced his way to the checkered flag at Martinsville in 21. After starting from the 29th spot, he led for 95 of the 250 laps. Jones snagged his win last year, then driving a Toyota for Joe Gibbs Racing, and in his five starts, he's posted one win, one pole, two top fives, four top tens, and has led a total of 142 laps. Now, while these drivers will be sure to push for the second win, other drivers are putting up a fight for the, to post their first on the Martinsville track as well. That would include Richard Childress Racing's Austin Hill. He has only two stints on the short track, but has put up some pretty good numbers. He posted a fourth-place finish in the spring race and a ninth-place finish in the fall race, an impressive finish considering he navigated his way to the front from the 36th starting spot. Junior Motorsports' Sam Meyer, well, he's posted a top-ten finish in all three of his Martinsville starts, a fourth in 2021, a fifth and sixth respectively in 2022. The 20 
eight-year-old driver has yet to post an Xfinity Series win, so he's going to be trying to land his number one Chevrolet in victory lane this weekend. Well, for some, that prize they have their eyes on, that's money. As we got Algeyer, Barry, Smith, and Nemechek set to dash for cash at Martinsville. Those four drivers competed in the first segment of the NASCAR Xfinity Series dash for cash at Richmond Raceway two weeks ago. At that race, it was Justin Algeyer, Sam Mayer, Daniel Hemrick, and Sammy Smith. And it was Junior Motorsports, Justin Algar, who dashed his way to the first $100,000 bonus check. Now, with that dash for cash win, Algar secured his spot in the second segment of the dash for cash this weekend at Martinsville Speedway. He's joined by Junior Motorsports teammate Josh Berry, College Racing's Chandler Smith, and then Joe Gibbs Racing's John Hunter Nemechek. Algar has five starts under his belt at Martinsville posting three top fives and four top tens. His most recent finish at the track was fifth last fall. Josh Berry, who's been extra busy this season as he's been filling in for an injured Chase Elliott in the NASCAR Cup Series, is the only driver in the competition that has posted an Xfinity Series win at Martinsville. That came in 2021. In his four career starts at the half mile, he's managed the one win, one top five, one top ten, and led 135 laps. His most recent finish at the track was 20th, though, last October. Now, both Smith and Nemechek, they'll may be making their NASCAR Xfinity Series career debuts at the .526-mile Martinsville short track this weekend. That's just in the Xfinity Series, mind you. Okay. Uh also, the Xfinity Series heads to uh, the paperclip of short tracks, if you will. Uh, they had a week off uh, last week, but they're back in action this Saturday uh, at Martinsville Speedway. It will be their eighth race of this season. In total, there have been 39 Xfinity Series races held at Martinsville, producing 25 different race winners and 20 different pole winners. Sam Ard actually won that inaugural race in 1982, and he went on to win four more times with an 82 sweep, an 83 sweep uh, as well, so making him a record holder for the most Xfinity Series wins at Martinsville with five. Brett Bodine holds the Xfinity Series record for the most poles at Martinsville with five in 1985, 86, and an 87 sweep. Other drivers have etched their names in the Martinsville Speedway Xfinity Series record books. Uh, they include NASCAR Hall of Famer Dale Jarrett, who has the most top fives with 11, Jimmy Hensley, and Tommy Houston are tied for the most top tens with 17 each. Tommy Ellis leads the series with the most laps led at 713. Six races have been won from the pole or this is their first starting spot, but the last time it was done was in 1987 by driver Jimmy Hensley. Sam Ard leads the series in wins from the pole at Martinsville with three of his five-track wins coming from the first starting spot. Now, the first of the Xfinity Series on-track activity is taking place uh, at 5 p.m. on Friday, April the 14th, with practice followed by qualifying at 5.35 p.m. Eastern Time, and it will be televised on Fox Sports 1. We're going to head on over now to the Cup Series. 
NOCO 400 at Martinsville will take place on Sunday, April the 16th at 3 p.m. Eastern. It will be televised with pre-race coverage starting at 2 p.m. on Fox Sports 1, as well as MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. Now, the Cup teams are going to race 210.4 miles over 400 laps. Uh, the first stage is 80 laps, ending on lap 80. The second stage will be 120 laps, ending on lap 180. 80, and the final stage will have 100, or I should say 220 laps, and that will end on the last lap, which is lap 400. What do we have in the Cup Series, Jay? Well, at this point, Josh Berry's uh, weekend got a little less busy. He's just on standby now as Chase Elliott <laughs> is to return to competition at Martinsville Speedway. Chase Elliott's driver of the Hendrick Motorsports number nine Chevrolet, uh, and he plans to return here April 16th for that NASCAR Cup Series race at Martinsville Speedway after recovering from a leg injury. Elliott, who's age 27, suffered a fractured tibia while snowboarding back on March 3rd and underwent successful surgery at the Stedman Clinic, which is the U.S. Olympic National Medical Center there, in Vail, Colorado. The 2020 Cup Series champion rehabilitated in Colorado before returning to his home in Dawsonville, Georgia, in late March to continue the physical therapy. After being medically cleared on Tuesday, Elliott tested Tuesday afternoon and Wednesday morning in the Chevrolet Driver in the Loop simulator in Concord, North Carolina, before making that final decision to return to the track there at Martinsville. Okay. Uh, Here's a little bit of a brief history and a unique NASCAR trophy at Martinsville Speedway. Uh, And this is something that every driver wants. There's nothing else out there like it, and that's what makes it so unique. The Martinsville Speedway trophy, that is. It's a seven-foot-tall trophy and is known as the Grandfather Clock or the Ridgeway Clock. It was presented for the first time in 1964 to Hall of Famer Fred Lorenzen, one of my favorites. Uh, Back then and for many years, the trophy was manufactured just down the road from the iconic short track. Clockmakers Howard Miller then bought Ridgeway, who were the manufacturers of the clock, and started making them in their unit in Zealand, Michigan. So a little brief history there on the Martinsville clock. And I just want to throw in there, if you ever get the opportunity to watch a Race Hub uh, special on that, it's about an hour long, I think, of the making of those clocks. Really, really interesting. So see if you can find that on a uh, replay. Now we're going to run it back. Uh, Look at the 2023 season stat leaders for the NASCAR Cup Series for the 2023 season statistically. Through the first eight races, wins, that goes to William Byron, who's got two uh, coming at Las Vegas and Phoenix. Poles, that goes to Joey Logano with two at Las Vegas and Atlanta. Top fives is Christopher Bell. Uh, Top tens, Christopher Bell, as well as Alex Bowman, who have six each. A driver rating, William Byron leads there at 104.8, as well as the average running position for William Byron, 8.011. 8.011. Now, fastest laps run, that goes to Kyle Larson at 195, as well as laps led, 
at 438, or 22.07% for Larson. Laps in the top 15, that goes to Alex Bowman, 1,711 laps, or 86.2%. Laps on the lead lap is Denny Hamlin, 1,970 laps, or 99.34%. That's uh, about as close as you can get. Quality passes, which are passes inside of the top 15, that goes to Denny Hamlin at 708. And then green flag passes is Justin Haley at 1,405. There are definitely some names in there I wouldn't have known or recognized yeah, realize where they cool. were at with those stats. Yes, indeed. Uh, now, our next topic, we talked about this a little bit earlier tonight. Uh, Zane Smith has been named as a replacement driver for the number 51 Rick Rare Racing entry at Martinsville. Uh, and that's after an indefinite suspension for Cody Rare this week. Rick Rare Racing tapped Craftman uh, Truck Series champion Zane Smith to pilot that number 51 Ford at Martinsville this weekend. And uh, Smith has made three previous career starts in the Cup Series. He's posted an average finish of 20.3. This will be Smith's series track debut, though, at Martinsville. And through the 24-year-old has made three starts in the Truck Series at Martinsville, posting one win in 2021, two top fives and three top tens. So uh, we'll see what uh, Zane's able to do in the number 51 this week. Well, on the next one, the Sunoco rookie update. This shouldn't be a big surprise, but Gibbs is performing at a high level. Uh, through eight races this season, Joe Gibbs Racing, Ty Gibbs, has been performing at that high level, and doing so has opened up the 2023 Sunoco Rookie of the Year standings lead to 83 points over Legacy Motor Club's Noah Gregson, who's in second. On the season, Gibbs has collected four top ten finishes, in eight starts, and his average finish this season is 16.0. I believe he's got three ninth place and a tenth place finish in a row here the last four races. Wow. Very good for him. Okay, the next-gen car's performance with the new selected road course and short track package. Uh, Now, the Cup Series next-gen car is in its sophomore season, uh, and this year, NASCAR introduced a new selected road course and short track package. Uh, the idea is to lower the downforce on the cars for all the tracks that are road courses and ovals less than 1.1 mile in length. That excludes, though, Bristol and Dover. The results in the first two short tracks that ran the new package, that's Phoenix and Richmond, saw significant increases year over year in green flag passes for the lead and total green flag passes throughout the field. Richmond Raceway's 23 Cup race had 35 green flag passes for the lead and set a new track record and saw an increase of plus 288.9% and green flag passes for the lead compared to the 22 first Richmond event with nine green flag passes for the lead. Uh, Richmond's 3,816 green flag passes also set a new record, track record, and saw an increase of plus 24.2% in total green flag passes compared to the 22 Richmond event with 3,072 
green flag passes. Phoenix Raceway also saw increases of uh, plus 7.7% year over year in green flag passes for the lead. That's uh, up 25.6% year over year in total green flag passes. The selected road course and short pack track package consists of the two-inch spoiler, uh, the removal of the engine panel strakes. They remove the center and inner diffuser strakes, and only the outer diffuser strakes will remain installed. Spacers uh, will be installed between the diffuser flap and the diffuser due to removing the inner diffuser strakes. They also removed the diffuser fences and replaced with baseline fences, and the splitter stuffers will remain unchanged from the current components. The rules are in place at the following tracks. So it includes the Charlotte Roval, uh, the Chicago Street Course, Circuit of the Americas, Indianapolis Motor Speedway's Road Course, Martinsville, that's this weekend, New Hampshire, North Wilkesboro, Phoenix, Richmond, Sonoma, and Watkins Glen. Well, as we head to Martinsville, that's a return home for Virginia native Denny Hamlin. And Joe Gibbs Racing's driver Denny Hamlin returns to Martinsville Speedway, one of the most successful, one of his most successful tracks, looking for his first win of the 2023 season. The Chesterfield, Virginia native leads the NASCAR Cup Series in victories at the historic Martinsville Speedway with five wins. Uh, they've come in 2008. Nine, a 2010 sweep, and then 2015. And he has all the intentions of making it six on Sunday afternoon's NOCO 400. Among the active drivers, Hamlin is one of the most prolific active short track competitors in the series. He's ranked third in short track cup wins among active drivers with 17 victories across the six of the seven active short tracks. At Martinsville, Hamlin has made a total of 34 series starts, posted four poles, the five wins, 17 top fives, and 23 top tens. But his Martinsville Speedway accolades don't stop there, as the NASCAR Cup Series pre-race loop data has him either first or second in every category among the active drivers heading into Sunday. We look at average running position of 9.681 is second best. Driver rating of 104.6 is second best. 1,191 fastest laps run is series best. 13,423 laps in the top 15, uh, 79.2%, which is series most. And then 1,122 quality passes which is at the top of series most. Okay. Uh, There's some short track wheelmen uh, over the history of Martinsville Speedway. Uh, And since the first Cup Series season in 1949, uh, short tracks that are less than a mile in length have graced the competitive schedule and been part of the fabric that makes up the sport. NASCAR Hall of Famer aptly named the king Richard Petty Uh, scored 138 of his record 200 Cup Series victories on short tracks, 
the series' most short-track wins all time. He also holds the series' record for the most wins at a single Cup Series track, posting 15 victories at this weekend's venue, Martinsville Speedway. Now, Petty has also won 15 times at North Wilkesboro, and uh, the home to this season's NASCAR All-Star Race that will be held on May 21st. Among the active drivers, 14 have posted wins on short tracks in the Cup Series, led by Richard Childress Racing's Kyle Busch, with 26 short track victories spread across all seven active short tracks, the only driver with wins on all seven. Now, three drivers added their name to the short track winners list last year. That was Chase Briscoe with his Phoenix Raceway win last spring, and Christopher Bell this summer with his win at uh, with his summer win at New Hampshire, and Chris Busher with his Bristol Motor Speedway victory last fall. So, uh, again, Kyle Busch uh, leads with total wins. Uh, Kevin Harvick is next in line with 26 short track wins. Then it's Denny Hamlin at 17, Joy Logano with 11, Brad Keselowski and Martin Truex both have 10, Kyle Larson with 5, Chase Elliott with 4, Alex Bowman and Christopher Bell with three, William Byron with two, and then Eric Almarola, Chris Chase Briscoe, and Chris Bushler each have one. Nine of the 14 active Cup Series short track winners are looking for their first win uh, this weekend. Kevin Harvick, Denny Hamlin, Brad Keselowski, Martin Truex, Chase Elliott, Alex Bowman, Eric Almarola, Chase Briscoe, and Chris Busher. Of the nine, six have previously won a Cup Series race at Martinsville. Hamlin again with five, Truex with three, Keselowski with two, Harvick, Elliott, and Bowman each have one. Uh, furthermore, Stuart Haas Racing's Kevin Harvick is the only Cup Series driver to win in all three National Series uh, at Martinsville Speedway. His Cup wins uh, was in 2011. His Xfinity win in 2006 and his Truck Series wins, uh, three of them, in 2009, 2010, and 2012. Harvick in 2016 and Ty Gibbs in 22 are the only two active Cup drivers with Xfinity Series wins at Martinsville. In addition, there are seven other drivers entered this weekend that have won in the Truck Series at Martinsville. That would include Bubba Wallace from 2311. He has two wins in 13 and 14. Joe Gibbs Racing's Denny Hamlin in 2011 and 12. Richard Childress Racing's Kyle Busch in 2016 and 19. They all have two. Henrik Motorsports driver Chase Elliott in 17. William Byron in 22. And Legacy Motor Club driver Noah Gregson in 2017 have a Truck Series win. And Team Penske's Joey Logano now also has a Truck Series win in 2015. So uh, a little bit of short track. There's uh, quite a few short track wheelmen on the docket here. Well, in the NASCAR Cup Series short track swing, as you will, culminates at Martinsville Speedway. As we head through the amid, amidst the uh, short track swing of the 2023 racing schedule, the NASCAR Cup Series heads to the half-mile Martinsville Speedway for the NOCO 400 on Sunday. It's the third of three consecutive tracks measuring less than a mile, uh, Richmond, Bristol, and then Martinsville. A Martinsville Speedway is a .526-mile 
uh, length. It's the longest continuously running track on the NASCAR Cup Series schedule and the only currently active track that was part of the inaugural NASCAR Cup Series season back in 1949. The Martinsville Speedway was originally a dirt track. The facility hosted 12 NASCAR Cup Series races on the dirt, uh, then dirt surface, before paving the track in the late summer of 1955. Uh, between the track's two cup races that season. In total, there's been 148 NASCAR Cup Series races held at Martinsville Speedway, one race in the inaugural year of 1949, and then two races per year since 1950. The first NASCAR Cup Series race at Martinsville Speedway back on September 25, 1949, was won by NASCAR Hall of Famer Red Byron uh, driving an Oldsmobile for car owner Raymond Parks. The first 500-lap Cup Series event at Martinsville Speedway, that came in 1956. The event was won by NASCAR Hall of Famer Buck Baker from the pole position. Baker was driving a 1956 Dodge for car owner Kyle Kiekeifer. The now famous concrete corners were added atop the asphalt, and that came in 1976, making the already uniquely paperclip-shaped track that much more one-of-a-kind. I mentioned 148 races at Martinsville Speedway, which produced 63 different pole winners and 57 different race winners over the years. And this weekend, 10 of those 57 NASCAR Cup Series Martinsville Speedway race winners are active. Mentioned Denny Hamlin having the most at five. Martin Truex has three. Brad Keselowski and Kyle Busch each have a pair. And then Christopher Bell, William Byron, Alex Bowman, Chase Elliott, Joey Logano, and Kevin Harvick each have one. And NASCAR Hall of Famer Richard Petty leads the NASCAR Cup Series in wins total at Martinsville Speedway with 15 victories in 1960, 62, 63, a sweep in 67, just one in 68, and a sweep in 69, 1970, 71, another sweep in 72, and then the final three of 73, 75, and 79. And that's the most any driver in the series has won at a single track. Uh, he's also won 15 races at North Wilkesboro, though. And Joe Gibbs Racing's Denny Hamlin leads the NASCAR Cup Series among those active drivers with wins with those five victories. All of the NASCAR Cup Series action at Martinsville Speedway begins this Saturday, April 15th. It'll be 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time, followed directly by Bush Light Pole Qualifying at 5.20 p.m. Eastern Time. Both will be televised, and this will be on FS2. All right. Uh, let's ring that bell. Christopher Bell is now at the top of the series point standings with his Bristol Dirt victory. He rose like a rocket into the atmosphere, and Joe Gibbs Racing's Christopher Bell soared to the Cup Series standings lead after his first win of this season at, uh, on Bristol Dirt. The win was the fifth of his career and the first at the half-mile track, and now for the third consecutive season, the 28-year-old Oklahoma native has locked himself into the playoffs and earning a spot into the all-star race that will be held May 21st at the historic North Wilkesboro Speedway. Atop the standing, Bell's holds a 13-point lead over Trackhouse Racing's Ross Chastain in second, 
and a 26-point lead over Stuart Haas Racing veteran Kevin Harvick in third. Through eight races this season, Bell has put up one win on dirt, the Bristol Dirt, five top fives, the series most, and six top tens. He's tied with Alex Bowman for the series most. Bell is the seventh different winner and the fourth different points leader through the first eight races this season. Looking to Martinsville this weekend, Bell must be encouraged about keeping up this early season success as he is the most recent winner at the half-mile track, taking the victory last fall in the playoff race to earn a spot into the championship four round. In six Cup Series starts at Martinsville Speedway, Bell has put up one win, that was last year, one top five and two top tens. His average finish at the half-mile track is 14.6, and he has led 159 laps. So uh, let's see if he can make it two in a row, Jay. Well, he certainly uh, showed he can win at Martinsville, so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, a lot of stats there and a lot of information about Martinsville. HMS is very solid there. I think you have a tough time picking anybody out of the top 15 to win that race, honestly. Yeah, but it's it's a little bit. There's a lot of things that can happen in Martinsville, so you never know how it's going to end up in, when the race is all said and done. Uh, but definitely looking you forward mean, you mean, to it. You mean anything <laughs> could happen? Like somebody would just throttle into the wall and let the wall take them around the corner and uh, pass four yeah. or five cars in the last lap? <laughs> well, that won't happen again. I can tell you that. Right. right. <laughs> but, yeah, there's a lot of things that can happen, that's for sure. Okay, we're at the top of the hour now, and that means it's time for our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off with our Fan for Racing crew. And uh, we have one, well, two of our members are here. So let me go ahead and bring them into the queue. Uh, we'll start off with Mike. Uh, are you here? I am here. Hey, Good evening, everybody. <laughs> it's good to have you. And also, we have Tommy back on the show tonight. Welcome back, Tommy. Hey, how are y'all? Thanks for having me back. Well, we're glad to have you. Uh, and we are going to uh, start off with our Hot Topic Sound Offs here. Uh, where do you want to start? I know we're a little bit split because I don't know if you've had a chance yet, Tommy, uh, but we're transitioning over to a different team's platform. And uh, I did send an email with that link. I don't know. Have you had a chance to try that out yet? Yeah, I clicked on it, and um, it takes me to, like, I have the Teams app on my phone, and when I click on that, I don't know, it just sends me, it sends me to, like, my own little page where it says, like, create a group, create from scratch. Okay, yeah. Okay, that's good. You're there then. Uh, What I have to do is bring you into... um, and I have to add you then to our list of people uh, for the different uh, communities that we've started there. So it sounds like um, you've done it. Uh, yeah, but I don't see y'all anywhere on here. Though. Hey, Sharon, okay. if I may jump in here. I know, I know this sure. is new to everybody. Um, the other thing, Tommy, would be to check to see – if you can switch accounts because one of them says personal and one of them says team. And it's actually opposite of what I thought. 
Um, Cause I can actually be in that app on the phone, like you said, and switch between the two. So when you get a chance to see if you can too. switch between accounts. If you go yeah. to your profile picture. Yeah. And click on it. It should give you a chance to uh, switch accounts. To switch from, okay, to go from fan for racing to, to my personal. To the personal account, yes. Okay, and I think I've done Jay, that. Will, will he see, will you, do you see our uh, communities yet? If you click on the community to the far left. I apologize to our listeners. We're trying to make a transition here with our team's account and uh, just trying to help a few people to, to make that transition as best we can. Okay. I'm not sure. Did you did you see the communities uh, on the far left? No, ma'am, I don't see that. Okay. Well, we'll work one-on-one. Uh, with it tomorrow and see if we can make it work and uh, get you into our our new communities, our new uh, team communities. But let's go ahead and start with some hot topics here. And, Tommy, why don't you kick us off tonight? Okay, let's go with um, Chase Elliott being back from Martinsville. Okay, Mike, you get to talk about it first. This is big news. I mean, we all knew it was coming. Obviously, Chase Elliott has been on the road to recovery. When he first was injured, they were saying somewhere around a six-week recovery period, and here we are six weeks later, and Elliott's going to be back in the car. Now, <laughs> Josh Berry will be on standby this weekend for Elliott in case he needs to come out of the car. Uh, I imagine I, – I, I haven't seen it confirmed yet, but I would imagine the same rules apply as when Daniel Suarez subbed for Carson Hosevar last year in the Craftsman Trump Series – and what that means is normally when a driver starts a race and then gets out and a substitute driver finishes the race, whatever position that substitute driver finishes in is credited towards the driver that started the race. So mm-hmm. if Elliott starts the race and Barry finishes 10th, Elliott would be credited with a 10th place finish in points. Now, where this comes, it becomes complicated is with the current playoff system. If Josh Berry were to get in the car after Elliott started and win the race, it would not count as a win for Chase Elliott with regard to playoff eligibility. So a big consideration here, but still good to have the 2020 champion and perennial most popular driver back in here. And it's a great time for him to get back in the car. We're coming up on a string of races here that have been very, very good to Chase Elliott in the 19. He's won at, the, at all four of the next four racetracks, one win at Martinsville, two wins at Talladega, one win at Dover, and one win at Kansas. So a very good stretch for Chase Elliott in the 19 to get back on track, assuming that they're on pace with their Andrew Motorsports teammates, get Chase Elliott back on track to potentially make a championship run. He's in a very, very deep points hole right now, having missed six races, and it's unlikely he's going to be able to compete for those regular season bonus playoff points that are awarded at the end of the regular season for your finishing position. So he has to bank entirely on wins and accumulating playoff points via uh, race wins and stage wins in order to build that cushion to make a strong playoff run this fall. Okay, Jay, your thoughts. Well, Mike brought up something uh, really good there. I had forgotten about that, that NASCAR did amend that rule of 
the wind does not count itself. The wind itself does not count for the driver, um, just the point. So appreciate Mike reminding at least me of that because I had forgotten about that with that rule with uh, Daniel Suarez and uh, Carson Hosevar. Well, when we look at it overall, as he said, we knew it was coming. They are right at the six-week mark. I believe it. I don't remember what it was. Jeff Gordon was on SiriusXM, said uh, it could be. Say it was going to be soon. It could be this weekend. Could be next. They hadn't officially announced it yet, though. And my initial thought was, I heard some of the analysts, some of them being former drivers and current drivers, talking about Martinsville maybe being a tough one to come back at with a leg injury. But as Mike said, the next race is Talladega. Well, I don't know that that's any better. So. You know, if he feels ready, the doctors have cleared him. He did the testing we talked to, talked about during our preview show. Um, you know, I guess there's never a great time to jump back in, so why not? And as Mike said, the, the tracks that they're coming up on, um, you couldn't ask for a better time to get that victory, so that'll secure him into the playoffs. But then making up those points, as Mike said, uh, getting into the top 10 as far as bonus points at the end of the year, wouldn't call it out of the question, uh, especially depending on how Chase Elliott does. And that team continued to do good um, in his absence with uh, Chase Berry. Uh, you know, Jordan Taylor, I don't remember, I think he was in the 20th position at that road course at Coda, but the team still seemed to be on par. So eight races in, uh, you know, he's down, he's down to 16 races. I wouldn't rule it out. Uh, Again, Chase Elliott and that team have been at the top of their game for several years to include the 2020 championship. So don't rule them out. Yeah, I would agree. You can't rule out uh, Chase Elliott. Uh, Here's the thing. Uh, I saw a post from uh, Kyle Busch earlier today as well, and he said it reminds him of a time uh, when he missed 11 races and won the championship that year. So it is possible uh, and the, the, one of the good news things in all of this is that NASCAR's eliminated uh, the top 30 rule, that you have to be in the top 30 to, if you have a win in order to be eligible for the playoffs. You can be anywhere in the ranking now. As long as you have a win, you are eligible to be in the, t- in the uh, playoff uh, group. So uh, that's good news for Chase Elliott. Uh, and I agree with you. I, I would think it might be a little bit tough on him at a track like Martinsville, where there's heavy braking uh, that take place. That takes place, uh, and that's why you have Josh Berry on standby uh, because of that. Uh, I know he says he feels uh, comfortable. He wouldn't be coming back. He said if he if he didn't feel comfortable with his leg, he says it's pretty much healed and he's he's ready to kind of. Uh, move on, uh, but it's hard for a driver to sit out of that car for any length of time. I'm sure he's anxious to be back in the car uh, as well. So we'll see how it works out. I'm glad Josh Berry is there to uh, uh, take over if he if he does have issues uh, with pain. Uh, but I, I think Chase Elliott is a pretty healthy guy. And I think he's going to be okay this weekend. Uh, the only concern is is that that track is a very heavy braking track. Uh, so we'll we'll see how it plays out. Tommy. Well, I'm glad Chase is back, but you know I think Josh Berry did a good job. Um, mm-hmm. 
my favorite driver of Hendrick Motorsports is still Ian Byron, only because he's in a 24 car. Um, but Chase was in the 24 car before him, so I still like Chase, too. And he's Bill Elliott's son. But glad that the most popular driver is back. I'm curious to see if this is going to, um, you know, viewership has been down this year, but I feel like it started going down uh, once Chase Elliott got hurt. So maybe viewership will go back up since the most popular driver is back. And, um, you know, Martins, this is a good race for him to come back at. He usually does good at Martinsville. He's won one race, but to my recollection, I think he could have won a few more. The one that comes to mind is when Denny Hamlin wrecked him and they had words on the track. Um, So he should have probably a few more grandfather clocks. But um, either way, glad he's back. And um, I do understand that he has that leg injury and that he's going to to come back at a track where he has to break a lot. But it is one of his better tracks, I think. And either way, had it been him or Josh Berry in the car this weekend, it's probably going to be a a good result. So, But it will be pretty cool if he – comes back, wins his first race, and go ahead and locks himself in the playoffs. Um, people are, you know, saying, uh, you know, what if he pulls a Kyle Busch this year, misses a few races at the beginning of the season due to, due to an injury and wins a championship. Um, you know, we'll see. Um, but, yeah, just glad that the most popular driver's back. Okay, Mike, your follow-up. Bob Pockers did an interview with Elliot. Um, I'm not sure exactly when the interview took place, but he posted snippets of it on his Twitter account. And if you haven't seen it, I recommend you go look at it. Elliot gets into some pretty decent detail about the actual nature of his injury, and I think it's relevant for our discussion here about returning at Martinsville, which we've already established is a heavy left-foot-breaking kind of a racetrack. And everyone has said it's a leg injury. Elliot described it more as a knee injury. Uh, yes, the bone that was broken is the tibia, the, the basically the big bone in your, the lower part of your leg. But Elliot definitely categorized it more as a knee injury, which I find interesting and probably relevant to Martinsville because since it's more related to the knee, I'm not a doctor, but I've done a lot of left foot breaking in my time. And I'm, I'm willing to bet they could probably brace his knee fairly well so he doesn't really need to rely on that and put a lot of stress there and rely instead on the ankle and lower leg to put the pressure on the brake pedal that's necessary. That probably factors a lot into him feeling comfortable getting into the car this weekend. But like you said, still very physically demanding at Martinsville. 400 laps, it used to be 500 laps. 400 laps at a very physically demanding racetrack. Yes, the speeds are low, but the, the workload is extremely high for these drivers. And then they go over to Talladega, which is not as physically demanding, but the likelihood of, of getting into a pretty hard crash there is pretty high as well. To Tommy's point about marketing and having people show up and watch the races, uh, every racetrack that is coming up soon has fired up their marketing department, and they've all put out their emails. I've gotten them as well. Come see Chase Elliott race at our race. Tickets on sale now. So they are definitely capitalizing on that. With regard to Chase Elliott pulling a Kyle Busch and missing a whole bunch of races and coming back and winning the championship – Absolutely, that's on the table. However, this is, this is a little bit of a different situation from what Kyle Busch had in 2015. In 2015, the playoff points system had not been established yet. There were no playoff points. There were no regular season bonus points or anything like that. Kyle Busch, all he had to do was become eligible for the playoffs, and he was immediately on a level playing field with everybody else, no matter how many races they did versus him. That's not the case anymore. 
Chase Elliott currently has zero playoff points. I don't believe he won a stage, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't believe he won a stage at either Daytona or California, so therefore he has zero playoff points. Playoff points have played a huge role in deciding the championship for in the years since they've, they've come around. Just about everyone who's made it into either Homestead or Phoenix through the respective championship race has come in there on a mountain of playoff points. In fact, Chase Elliott himself basically coasted through the playoffs last year all the way to Phoenix, a relatively lackluster playoff performance by the number nine team, but because they had such a huge cushion of playoff points, they made it all the way to the championship four. He doesn't have that luxury this year. Every single round of the playoffs, he's going to be reverting back to whatever championship or playoff points he's able to accumulate between now and the end of the regular season. We've already established he's a little bit behind the curve on that compared to some of his peers, including his own teammate, William Byron, Kyle Larson, and others who have already started accumulating those playoff points are in a position to gain even more at the end of the regular season by virtue of their points finished there. Elliott's got a lot of work to do, and he's got an uphill climb to do it. I don't think it's out of their reach. I think the number nine team in Hendrick Motorsports in general are both very, very strong teams, and if anyone can pull it off, they certainly can. However, it is going to be difficult for the number nine team to rebound from this, and, and if they are able to do so, it will make a championship even more impressive. Okay, James. Yeah, I, th- I think that's got to be the focus is can he do it? Uh, we saw Kyle Busch do it in 2015. Little bit different format, like Mike said. Um, I think actually Chase Elliott has a better opportunity because he can still build up those playoff points, though, until then. Um, he's got to go through his teammates to do it because they've kind of been the ones uh, hogging up those points. But I think as, as Tommy hit on it, Mike did a little bit too of the, the marketing of, of it, um, especially as NASCAR's most popular driver. I think there were a lot of fans that tuned in in 2015 and maybe even became fans of Kyle Busch because of what he did, uh, what he did since then, and maybe didn't keep him. That's another story. But I think at that point, it really did draw that interest. And I think when you have the most popular driver returning and having to climb that hill, I do think we're going to see a ratings boost um, and fan interest with that. So that'll be interesting to watch. And I wasn't on Twitter a whole lot today. I'd be kind of curious to something Sharon mentioned, how NASCAR showed favoritism to HMS by creating a rule before it was even needed to benefit Chase Elliott and HMS. (laughs) Well, I will say, uh, if you put it in perspective, uh, the playoff points, the person with the most playoff points right now is William Byron in 14th place. He's got 10 playoff points. Uh, The other two drivers uh, that are close to him are Kyle Larson and Tyler Reddick. They both have a win and stage wins. Uh, William Byron has two wins and five stage wins. So that's the difference there. Uh, Then there's two drivers that are at – well, there's one driver here at six playoff points with uh, one race win and one stage win, and that's Joey Logano. And then Christopher Bell has the five playoff points that he just got with his win. Uh, Kyle Busch has a a race win, giving him five no-stage wins. And uh, also Ricky Stenhouse Jr. with his Daytona win has five playoff points. 
So I don't think it's going to be as hard as you might think it's going to be for him to catch up. It, what he has uh, in his advantage, to his advantage, is that he is. it's still early in the season. They have eight races of 26 races, uh, meaning that there there's still an opportunity for 18 more races uh, that will get him into uh, the playoffs. That's better actually than what Kyle Bush had uh, because he didn't come back until 11 races he was out and had to uh, uh, work his way back. So I say even though it might be a little bit different, I don't think it's insurmountable. I think they'll be able to do it. One driver, Alex Bowman, is negative five points in the playoff points, and I think that could be made up. Uh, He'll have to get two wins in order to make it uh, five playoff points, but – uh, it is make-upable, if you will. So I don't think it's going to be as difficult as you might think. Justin Haley also negative 10 on the playoff point uh, category. But a lot of these drivers, uh, Ross Chastain has stage wins, Kyle Larson, Tyler Reddick. Uh, Ross has three. Kyle Larson and Tyler Reddick only have two. Joy Logano won, Brad Keselowski won, Denny Hamlin won. <laughs> Uh, William Byron, again, has the most. He has five. Uh, and then Austin Sindrick has one. So the competition is not going to be that hard to overcome. It's still early in the season for Chase Elliott. I think he'll do it. Tommy? Yeah, um, we do have two good races back-to-back with Martinsville and Talladega. Um, and I didn't – I know that it will be hard for him – well – you know, we'll see about the leg injury at Martinsville. I'm sure it will be. He will, first time being back in the car and then having the race there, will probably tire him, and we'll see how the leg goes. But then I didn't even think about Talladega next week where, you know, he could possibly have a violent flip or a violent crash into the wall, you know, going 180, 200 miles an hour. So, um you know, maybe he could have waited two more weeks, but also I feel like I'm sure he's itching to get back in the car. But he's also won at Talladega, so he, you know, he could very well get a win at one of these next two tracks and um, lock himself in the playoffs coming right back. So, but I'm just glad that he's back, and I'm sure that we probably will see a viewership increase uh, either this week or next week since we're at, you know, in my opinion, Daytona, Talladega, Martinsville, and Bristol are like the top four tracks that that I like. The two super speedways and the two short tracks. So I'm excited and I'm ready and um, can't wait for Martinsville and Dega. And I'm glad Chase is back, but I'm still going to be pulling for that 24 car. But I was able to pick Chase uh, for the race this weekend since Byron was already taken. I'm shaking my fist at you right now, Tommy. You can't see me, but I'm shaking it. (laughs) You've been doing that a lot this year, Mike. You get to yeah, I sure uh, have, haven't I? (laughs) uh, You get to uh, kick us off with the next hot topic here. All right, this is a little bit of a revisit from a topic that we've discussed a few times on previous shows. But Jeff Gordon was on SiriusXM today. And he gave some insight on the alleged miscommunication with Hendrick Motorsports with regard to the louvers that were confiscated at Phoenix. And what Gordon had said was all through the 2022 season, NASCAR had identified a manufacturing issue 
with the way the louvers were made and that the machine that was making them couldn't perform a certain step. NASCAR had authorized the teams to finish the part within the specification in order for it to fit on the race car properly. And what HMS had done is they had got a set of louvers that they had basically done what was legal to do in 2022 and brought them to the racetrack to put on their Phoenix cars. And it sounds like that's where the miscommunication was, is that HMS wasn't aware, that apparently was not aware that the, the, the cleaning up is the word that, uh, that Gordon used. The cleaning up was no longer permitted on the louvers. So I'm wondering, is that legitimate? Or do you guys smell BS in the air? Okay, Jay. Well, I think it's a combination. I mean, they, they obviously got their points back, which uh, tells you that there was something presented that the appeals board felt like they had done some due diligence in addressing the situation, but were not completely exonerated. Um, that being separate, NASCAR has addressed that. As far as now with that, I, I feel like HMS and Jeff Gordon in particular as a, a voice or a poster boy, however you want to call it, um, representative that, that spoke on it. One, I, think I think it's Wonder still, Boy. Is that, is that still valid? Well, uh, yeah, no, it's been a while since he's been Wonder Boy, but uh, vice president uh, now. Um, I think they're still trying to do damage control as far as just their reputation. Uh, I know he made the comment uh, when it first happened about how they tried to do everything by the books and are, are right and proper. And, and I'm not calling just them out because, again, I believe every team is still under that mindset of if you aren't cheating, you aren't trying, or pushing the envelope playing in the gray area, whatever you want to call it. Um, whereas I think he's trying to portray them as a perfectly innocent. And I think it's just damage control, in my opinion. They obviously got their points back, made their point that there was some miscommunication and concern. However, even within that uh, cleaning it up process, I think then they still push the limit of what they were allowed to do under that procedure, you know, however it goes. Um, so... I personally think it is kind of just a damage control to try and repair their reputation. And they've been through it before. Uh, you know, I mean, we make the jokes about Chad Canales. There's several rules that are made because of him, as well as Ray Everham when he was with HMS. So it's not something new. Tommy? Yeah, I, I feel the same that I felt last time I was on the podcast. I mean, just from the outside looking in, it looks like Kendrick is the favorite and that they get away with it. And, um, you know, Jeff Gordon was my favorite driver, and I, I liked them in the booth too, but I liked them on the track better. Um, but as the vice president of Hendrick, I mean, he's got to say what he's got to say in there. And, um, you know, it. I don't know about covering up or whatever, but, you know, it, it just, to me, it seems the same. Like, it looks like they're playing favorites. But that's just from the outside looking in. And, you know, people are always – people have always said you can ask any – I feel like you can go up to any NASCAR fan from the 80s and 90s and, and bring up Hendrick Motorsports or Dell Earnhardt, and they're going to say Chevy ruined NASCAR, Hendrick ruined NASCAR, Earnhardt ruined NASCAR. So, I mean – 
people are still going to talk smack about Hendrick no matter what they do. Um, but I will say I liked what Byron said. I believe it was last week, wherever they were at, they came up to him and asked him, and he was just like, you know, it seems pretty funny that they picked uh, the two Hendrick cars from Richmond to, you know, go to research and development and then find that there was a problem with them and then find them again and, you know, all that good stuff. But also from the other side, if you get slapped with a penalty and then you go to another racetrack the next week, I would make sure that the cars are perfect, but that's just me. (laughs) Um, And then, you know, but, I mean, they should have seen that one coming to, hey, you know, we just got a penalty and now we're at Richmond and, oh, what do you know, they picked our cars. I mean, just... I'm a Patriots fan, and I'm a Hendrick fan, and I'm used to all the cheating allegations, but I'm still going to pull for that 24 car, and I'm all for Brady coming out of retirement and going back to New England, but I don't think that's going to happen, but wouldn't be against it. Tommy, I admire you because you're a loyal fan, and I think that's great. Um, But for those of us that – I don't dislike it, Hendrick Motorsports at all, uh, but if they don't want us to talk about them, then they need to stop doing things that they're doing. If you think about it, all four of their cars had uh, the modifications to the part, and even Jeff Gordon admitted uh, that that was their fault, that they didn't follow the communication that everybody else in the garage felt. Uh, followed, except for one other team, and we don't know if his was exactly the same situation or not. Um, but why did why was what happened at Hendrick Motorsports uh, that they didn't get the correct communication on that? Uh, they should have gotten all the exact same communication that everybody else got. I know it's a misunderstanding on their part. Uh, again, that's what makes it sound just a little bit suspicious uh, is because everybody else got it right, uh, but Hendrick Motorsports didn't. Why, why didn't they get it the same way that all the other teams got it? Um, and I don't know if you – oops, it's time for me to make my announcement, so let me go ahead and, and um, do that now. Uh, for our first-time listeners, we are going to continue our conversation here, and uh, we will continue um, recording the rest of that conversation, even though we're going off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, we do that for our podcast as bonus overtime material, so you can hear all of the conversation of our Hot Topics uh, conversation here. So... Um, I um, uh, will go out on Twitter as well as Facebook to let you know that when the podcast is available. And at your convenience, uh, you just return to the podcast player at fanforacing.com and just fast forward to the two-hour mark in order to hear the rest of the conversation. So, again, for first-time listeners, we don't want anybody to be caught off guard and not know how to hear uh, the rest of the conversation here tonight. Uh, but, but what I'm saying here with regard to Hendrick Motorsports is they were one organization out of the other 36 or whatever the number was um, that, that uh, you know, everybody else got that communication right. So that tells me 
if it was a miscommunication, um, then I then it makes me think that Chad Canals isn't very bright, <laughs> and we all know that that's not true. Brad, Chad, Chad Canals is a very bright guy, okay, uh, and everybody knows how bright he is. So I, I do think that it is a cleanup of a kind of a uh, situation that. Uh, they realize now that they came to the track with illegal parts. And um, uh, I think they realized it coming to the track, uh, but they were hoping that they could get by with it. As far as uh, the nine, I'm sorry, the uh, 88 and the uh, number, what is it, Larson's team, the five, uh, that was taken 24. back. 24, that's right, Bowman, or not Bowman, but uh, Bowman and um, Byron. Those guys, uh, what you need to understand there, and, and Jay talked about it last week, I think everybody was under the assumption that that's a random selection of cars. But if, if NASCAR has a reason to believe that there might be something going on with the cars, they can select whatever cars they want. And it could have been somebody in the garage telling them. It could have been them kind of catching something that made them a little uncomfortable. But something caused them to want to take those cars back. There's nothing um, unusual about it except that NASCAR is trying to keep the level playing field uh, for everybody. So that's their responsibility to make sure that they do that. And if they find cars that are not... Uh, up to par, I would expect them to take those cars back <laughs> to the R&D center and to check them out and and give them the penalties if they're not following the rules according the way everybody else in the garage is following them. Now, I know everybody says everybody else in the garage is cheating too. They just haven't gotten caught yet. But NASCAR has really tightened up the shift with all of that. And I do think that might have been true in the past, but I, I do think that NASCAR is trying to really tighten that up. Um, I don't think there was any hanky-panky with them taking those specific cars uh, other than they found something that they felt needed further investigation and they took those cars. So, again, if Hendrick doesn't want people talking smack about him, then they need to stop doing that kind of stuff. Mike? As the vice president of Hendrick Motorsports, obviously Jeff Gordon is going to try and put his company in the very best light that he possibly can. But even assume, assuming that he wasn't outright lying, the the story that he told, it, it established something plausible. Uh, it wasn't NASCAR just wanted to play favorites with Hendrick, or the, uh, the appeals board, I should say, wanted to play favorites with Hendrick Motorsports or something like that. But it sounds like the, the case that Jeff Gordon laid out was plausible. It sounds like this is something that NASCAR did allow in 2022. And for whatever reason, whether it was intentionally misunderstanding something or not, Hendrick Motorsports presented that they were under the impression that the modifications that were legal per NASCAR in 2022, for whatever reason, Hendrick Motorsports believed that those would have been legal for the use at Phoenix with the new low downforce package. Obviously, that wasn't the case. Obviously, they were caught. Obviously, they were penalized. As with regard to the colleague racing comparison for why colleague their appeal was not 
handled the same way that Hendrick Motorsports was, it probably shows that Colling modified the parts in a way that was different from Hendrick Motorsports, or at the very least didn't have that plausible story as to why they felt that they could modify the parts in the way that they did and then bring them to the racetrack. So do I believe it 100%? No. Like I said, Jeff Gordon is a salesman for his company, and he's going to try and present his company in the best way he possibly can, and you can't blame him for that. But nope. at the same time, it's, it's somewhat plausible that, okay, NASCAR, despite saying, no, you will not modify these parts at all, apparently at some point in the past, NASCAR says, you can modify these parts, and here's how to do it. And maybe they turned it off, maybe they didn't, and that maybe that's where the miscommunication was. I don't know. I just know what I've been presenting and what we've talked about here. But it was interesting to see the curtain pulled back at least just a little bit and get a little bit of explanation, albeit one-sided, as to why things transpired the way that they did. Okay, Jay. Here's, here's my counter to that, though, is is that with the next penalty of the number uh, 24 and 48, they made this statement that they weren't going to appeal it. They wanted to focus on their on track. Why is then Jeff Gordon? They basically won that appeal. They may not may have still had to pay the money in their crew chiefs, but they won that. I mean, they got the 100 points back, which was the big part of it. Why are they still pushing on it and trying to defend it? They won their appeal. Let it go. I focus on <laughs> on track uh, racing. <laughs> Excuse me. And I'm with Sharon. I like Hendrick Motorsports. I'm with Tommy. I was a Jeff Gordon fan when he came into the sport. I don't always like what they do. And one of the things I look back on that I think tarnished his image as well as the team's, um, I don't remember if it was his 95 or 96 championship when the championship ended at Atlanta. All he had to do was not finish dead last. And they qualified, legally qualified, another team, another car, Jack Sprague as the driver. When the green flag dropped, Jack pulled in, sat for five laps, and then went back out on the track to race. And if anything happened to Gordon, he would come in and stay those five laps behind Jeff Gordon. I was not a fan of that. Um, to me, that's you know uh, working the system. And that's one of those where you say that they didn't know about that rule. These guys put effort into knowing exactly what the rule is so they know how to work around it. I, I just find it extremely hard. As Sharon said, Chad Knauss is a smart person, probably knows that rule book inside and out as well as NASCAR does when they write it. So for him to not know that, I just, I, I don't, I, I can't buy it. I, I really can't. Yeah. Tommy? Yeah, I don't have much to add here other than either don't cheat, and if you're going to do it, just don't get caught. <laughs> uh, either way, either way, I'm pulling for that 24 car. Okay. Even though we're 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 smacking on Henrik Motorsports here, Tommy, we still like you. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure. We're I'm not... just. <laughs> We're not picking on you individually. Um, really, we're just frustrated with, with um, you know, what's happening there. And I think I used the analogy the other day. Uh, you can love your kids um, and love them, you know, with all your heart. But sometimes they do things that you don't like. 
and and that's what happens with Hendrick Motorsports. I think a lot of people like them. Um, uh, a lot of people, you know, love different, you know, they like the different drivers uh, that are on those teams. Uh, but they don't always like, I mean, I like Alex Bowman a lot. I think Alex Bowman, uh, he's one of the drivers that we followed uh, from when he was racing uh, out in Arizona. Uh, and I, I, I really like Alex Bowman a, a, a whole lot. Chase Elliott, another driver that we followed for a long time. Um, I, I like those guys, but uh, when they when things happen um, within an organization, uh, and they're not happening in all the other organizations, uh, it, it, you got to scratch your head and think. Uh, there's more to that story than what they're willing to put out there. They're going to try to put out the best possible story for their organization um, in order to, uh, and and maybe it was plausible. Obviously it was plausible for the three uh, panel, the three-member panel uh, that looked at the appeal, um, but I don't think it was consistent with what NASCAR is trying to accomplish, and I think that's what the the rub is for a lot of people. Uh, NASCAR, uh, they took away the wrong things. They should have taken away, you know, reduced the monetary amount. Don't reduce the points and the and the um, uh, playoff points, which is what everybody's trying, uh, whichever which nobody wants to be tampered with on their team. And it would be the dis- discouraging part of the penalty uh, to keep them from doing those kind of things again in the future. I think that's where the rub is for everybody. And, and uh, it's certainly the rub for NASCAR, uh, which is why they made the modifications to their points process. Um, so it, it is what it is at this point, um, and we're going to move on from here. And, and uh, hopefully we won't be talking about penalties anymore from Henry Motorsports. Um, I hope uh, Chad Canals is smarter than that. So we'll see what happens. Mike? To answer Jay's question of why they were talking about it, well, it, it was a radio interview. I'm sure he was specifically asked. I didn't see – I just saw the, the part where Gordon was speaking. I didn't see the lead-up, so – I'm not sure what the exact context was, but obviously that's still a topic of discussion, which kind of highlights a bigger concern about the 2023 season. The biggest stories of the 2023 NASCAR Cup Series season have been off the racetrack. Their biggest driver being injured, their biggest team receiving multiple penalties, other drivers uh, and other teams being penalized as well. And the stories haven't been about the action that's going on on the racetrack. Hopefully that trajectory changes and we can spend more time talking about things that are happening on the racetrack and less time talking about buffoonery and shenanigans going on off of, off of the racetrack. I agree. Okay, Jay, you're up for the next hot topic. Well, how about, how about we tie those two things together and we look at something on the track that may lead to penalties as we've gotten word that NASCAR is still looking into further looking into the Larson Priest incident from Bristol. Uh, I haven't heard anything as far as into today to update that other than they look, they were looking into it. Um, but it's possible it could still come later down the road. Okay. Tommy, you get first crack at this one. 
So, uh, you know, from the Bristol Dirt Race last uh, Sunday, um, what happened was, I believe Kyle Larson ran Priest High up on the track, and Priest got in the wall. So then I, I think Priest maybe had to battle his way back from the back and back up to the front. And once he got a chance, he returned a favor to Kyle Larson. Kyle Larson didn't like it, so Kyle Larson tried to wreck him. But in the process of trying to wreck Ryan Priest, he pulled a Danica Patrick and wrecked himself and took himself out of the wreck. So, you know, Kyle Larson can only be mad at himself. And then after the race two, you know, Kyle Larson was just like, oh, you know, we – I thought we would act like grown men and he would get over it. Um, I really wanted to, I mean, I couldn't say anything to him, but I wanted somebody to point out to him, well, you ran him into the wall and then he paid you back and then you tried to pay him back and you wrecked yourself. But anyway, I mean, he was just, he was just mad. I'm sure he went back and watched the replays and realized what happened. Let's see if he pulls a Denny Hamlin and is still trying to wreck Ross Chastain a year and a half later instead of just moving on. <laughs> but, um, and what's even crazier is, is Tony Stewart took the side of Kyle Larson instead of Ryan Priest in the booth. Like, you what? You're not even backing your driver? I don't know. There, there was a whole lot going on there. But um, as long as they don't go on a podcast or open up social media and talk about it, there shouldn't be anything that's car should find or, you know, discipline about because it will it kind of looked just like hard racing on the racetrack. But, um, yeah, I mean, there has been so much beef this year with so many different drivers, and now we're about to be at Martinsville, so there's about to be even more beef. Let's just hope they don't carry it to Talladega and wreck each other there because um, – too dangerous to do that at Talladega. So let's get it all out this week at Martinsville. Let's have somebody, you know, let's have Matt Kenseth, Joey Logano. Let's have that whole situation again. Let's just jump somebody's car that we don't like, preferably Joey or Denny. <laughs> okay, Mike. I love it. I'm here. Sorry, I thought you were going to jump in after Tommy there. But, yeah, I agree with Tommy. Um, Unless they do something dumb by admitting that they did anything, I don't see any penalty coming from it. Here we are on Thursday evening. I know they said they were looking into this a little bit later than they usually do. I think that that word came out on Monday or Tuesday. So it's not out of the realm of possibilities that they might still announce a penalty from it, but I really doubt it's going to happen. I think it's it's going to be a non-call from NASCAR, and I think it's a good non-call. we talked about in the previous segment about plausible deniability, right? Well, I think barring them admitting they did anything that broke the rules, I think it's plausible enough to say that this was a racing incident that maybe got a little bit out of the driver's control. And that's it. Leave it at that. Leave it on the racetrack. It was kind of out of character for Kyle Larson. Kyle Larson tends to be pretty understanding about people roughing him up and even when he gets flat taken out, remember back to Chicago land when he was racing against Kyle Busch, uh, and there were a couple other incidents where Kyle Larson gets wrecked. His team is on the radio trying to get him amped up, and Kyle's like, no, nah, no, nah, it was racing. We're good here. 
it was uncharacteristic to see Kyle Larson go after somebody on the racetrack like that. I'm not sure if he was frustrated because he doesn't like Bristol dirt racing, um, which he was on record re- repeatedly through the week saying it's not real dirt racing and that we shouldn't be doing it. So maybe he was just annoyed for being there in the first place. I don't know. But it didn't seem like it was a bit out of character for Kyle Larson to do it. With regard to going to Martinsville this week, if you're going to have beef, Martinsville is a, a good place to do it. But at the same time, we've talked before about how much of this do we really want to see on the racetrack before it just becomes a clown show and not really a fun race to watch. I think we're already knocking on that door. We really don't need to go through it anymore where people are just junking each other and ruining a race between what should be good competitive cars driven by very capable race car drivers. We don't need a demolition derby. We're in here to watch the top level of stock car racing. Let's, let's have that instead. I agree. I couldn't have said that for years. Okay. Um, the reason I think Tony Stewart was upset is because the crew chief and the um, spotter were fueling the fire for Ryan Priest. They weren't, you know, most of the time you, you hear those guys trying to calm their driver down, uh, let it go, move on, it's not worth it, those kind of things, versus uh, what the, what his spotter what what his spotter and crew chief were saying to Ryan Priest. So NASCAR is going to go back and listen uh, to that in-car audio for both of those teams, and and that's what they're going to hear. So Tony, I don't think, was necessarily upset with Priest. I think he was more upset with, with the – well, maybe he was upset with Priest, but, but Really, it was instigated by the crew chief and the uh, spotter kind of egging him on to go and do something about it. Uh, both of those drivers were frustrated. Uh, Kyle Larson didn't like the idea of being back in the pack. He wanted to be up in the front uh, contending for the win. He he wasn't up in the front, and drivers weren't going to just pull over and let him by. Uh, they wanted to race for their spots, and they have every right to do that. So... Um, there was plenty of frustration to go around from both drivers, uh, but I, I think the the real rub uh, was the whole thing that uh, the crew chief and the spotter were egging Ryan Priest on uh, to do something about it. And and I know drivers feel that you know they try to take care of things. I, I wish they would take care of things. Uh, instead of on the track, I wish they would take care of those things off the track. But we've heard Kyle Busch say he's tried to do that a, a lot of times, talk to different drivers, and it, it goes on deaf ears. So it, it's hard to say that that's the best way. I just, what I really don't like seeing is them using their cars to talk to one another uh, when they could, you know, get somebody else caught up in their little dispute. And it could be somebody who, who happens to be in the wrong place at the right time um, to get caught up, and now they're impacted with the little feud between drivers. So um, I, I know that this is an emotional sport and things like that are going to happen, but I, I wish, if I had a wish list, I wish that these drivers could find a way to talk to each other and work out their differences versus using their cars on the track. Uh, Jay? Well, when NASCAR goes back and look at, looks at it, what they're going to find is two competitors fighting for the same space of real estate on the track. Was there some history from between them, uh, just between that race alone? Yes. But 
it was for that position on the track at that point. I think when you, people wanted to come go back to the Denny Hamlin-Ross Chastain thing, Hamlin went backwards to try and find Ross Chastain. He specifically targeted, targeted him. When we look at Daniel Suarez on pit road after the Coda race, he said, hey, where are these cars? I'm going to find them. This was these two were battling side by side on the track. Had it been two different drivers, would some more room have been given? Probably so, maybe. Uh, you don't know. Um, and I think, Sharon, I know I talked about this the other night when, when this came around. I think Larson was frustrated with himself. He made the choice to keep the tires he had and not change tires. Spun out, was in the back, and he said that himself. He put himself back there in that position. So I think there was some frustration with himself uh, on that end. Um, and, again, having being a dirt guy, having one of the better cars, obviously not going to get the win, and we finally saw a dirt driver get that win, and it wasn't him. Uh, it was Christopher Bell, who he has a friendly rivalry with, if you will, when it comes to that. So I think there were a lot of things, but I'm, I'm with Mike. I don't see even, – even when we look back at the Denny Hamlin-Ross Chastain thing from whatever race that was – NASCAR wasn't even going to look at it because it was just between two drivers on the track. It wasn't until there was some actual statements made that it was, you know, an intentional thing. And, and again, I go back to he not only targeted a guy, he went targeted him backwards. I, that just blew my mind of I'm going to, I'm going to drive backwards or go backwards in order to get somebody. That's where you got the problem. Uh, Sharon, uh, are you still there? I'm on mute. I think I'm she has sorry. to unmute. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, yeah. if she's not here, we're not here, because once she goes down, <laughs> we go down. Yeah, I apologize. I was on mute. My dog is chewing on her bone here, and I don't know if you guys can hear it, but I thought I would mute it just in case. Um, but, Tommy, you're up next. Yeah, I don't really have much to add here other than I don't I don't think they'll be fine, but um I was gonna counter and say maybe Kyle Larson was just upset because instead of him being frustrated with running bristle dirt, maybe since he's what people consider like one of the best dirt racers ever, maybe he was just mad he wasn't gonna win it, so he just said, All right, I'm gonna take myself out of this race. <laughs> um <laughs> but Listen, I, I really hope he doesn't pull a Denny Hamlin with Ryan Priest and just try to. I mean, Denny has been targeting Ross for like probably a year now. I mean, we're coming up on the when is the worldwide technology race? Like a couple months away. I mean, it's almost been a year. Like, I think it's time for Denny to move on, in my opinion. But um, apparently, everybody hates Ross Chastain and he's blamed for everything, including the. JFK assassination. I mean, just it's ridiculous. I mean, I don't know, but I do have to say another thing too. Um, I agree with y'all um, about the. I just want a good, clean race in Martinsville. I'm sure we won't get a clean race all the way. That there will be beef between some drivers, but I feel like every single race this year we have had drivers mad at each other and. I'd rather them go ahead and get it all out this week at Martinsville, and um, that way Talladega can be a clean race. Because we don't, the last thing you need is beef at Talladega. You don't need guys wrecking each other going 200 miles an hour at that track. So 
Um, but if anybody's going to get wrecked this week at Martinsville, just make sure it's Joey Logano. Okay, Mike. I love how Tommy has uh, just that, that really fierce streak of being an impartial journalist here. Um, it's really hard to tell where his biases are. And furthermore, I really do enjoy how Tommy uses drivers' names as verbs because it's it's just, I mean, chef's kiss, beautiful. Um, to Jay, I do want to point out, who did pick Mr. the other Mr. Dirt to win the race? Finally. Finally, I managed to pull one off. Anyway. With that was only because you didn't on get your first pick. That's true. I, I, I tried to pick Mr. Dirt, number one Mr. Dirt, Kyle Larson, and that didn't work out so well for me. Um, but anyway, with regard to the incident on the racetrack, we've talked a lot about uh, NASCAR wanting to police on-track behavior, and we also talked a lot about swinging pendulums, right? So the, the pendulum may have swung too far one way where drivers are getting a little too out of control on the racetrack, and, and maybe NASCAR should, should step in. However, in this case, I feel like if they step in in this case, it will be have have swung the pendulum too far the other way. I don't don't think this is an instance where NASCAR needs to intervene. Regardless of what the crew chiefs and the spotters and and anybody else may have said, the actions that took place on the racetrack, I don't believe, merit a penalty. I think it's still within the spirit of NASCAR being a contact sport, Rubbins race, and however you want to put it, I think that this, this incident on the racetrack, I think it falls within the scope of that. Take a look at it. Unless you see something that none of us did, I think let it ride, and we'll take it all to Martinsville from here. Um, I, if they go and get back at it at Martinsville, that's a different story, especially if it's something like Denny Hamlin hunting down Ross Chastain. Completely different story, and we can handle it from there. But if those boys left it at Bristol, well, well let's leave it at Bristol and, and move on from there. Yeah, I'm kind of in the middle of where you are, Mike. I I don't think that NASCAR needs to give a penalty. I would not want to see that at this point. Uh, But if I go back to my wish list, I wish um, that somebody, whether it be the team owner or someone within the team that disciplines or has these kinds of conversations with the drivers, I wish there was a conversation with these drivers Uh, about how they can handle things differently. Um, Somebody posted something that Bill France Jr. used to tell uh, a lot of these drivers that were frustrated about racing the back markers. Uh, He said, you've got fans that are in the stands that are expecting you to get a to show your, you know, race around those drivers and show the skill that you've got. And that's what you need to do. Those drivers have every right to be there. So, um, and that's exactly how I feel about it. Um, they have a right to be on that track. Yeah, you guys have a right to go for the same space, I suppose, if you want. But you have a skill as a race car driver that you should be able to do that without wrecking each other. And, um uh, the problem with the team having that conversation with the driver is that they don't want their drivers to lose that spirit of wanting to win. And I get that, but there's a way to do it and there's a way not to do it. And what those guys did at the track last weekend is the way not to do it. Uh, that's not what the fans really um, are coming to the track to see. I, at least I'd like to think so. Um so I, I would like to uh, have a conversation with them, put them at the table, and let them talk it out. 
whatever. But it, it needs to be addressed in some way that these guys can kind of uh, put it behind them and move forward. And that's what mentors do. That's what that's what leaders do. Is they they work with their their teams in order to make those kind of things happen. Um, if the team can't do it because they're worried about uh, affecting the leader, the the spirit of racing, uh, then that's where NASCAR needs to stand, come in and have that conversation. I'd rather see them have the conversation with the drivers first uh, and have the the fire and brimstone kind of conversation with them first, um, so that we don't go to the next level and and uh you know that's the only involvement that i would like to see from nascar hopefully we avoid the penalties uh and we're able to get these guys together and talk it out and move on uh so that we don't have the denny hamlin kind of thing okay your wrap up well i i I, man i hate to end the night like this but i gotta agree on with mike on a couple of points first off tommy's been on fire tonight uh i I'm glad I was on mute because I, I was laughing extremely hard. Uh, I'm going to have to look into that Ross Chastain JFK thing. Um, the second was leave it at Bristol. It, you know, yeah, the drivers had it out. They both had their say or whatever. If we don't see anything from them at Martinsville, then it's done. Why is NASCAR even um, need to even say anything at this point? Because I'm, I, and we all kind of agreed that we don't want to see the stewardship kind of deal that they have in Formula One and other series. So maybe they say something to the drivers and be like, "Hey, we got our eyes on you. You know, steer clear of each other." Um, but other than that, to me, it was just a racing deal. They worked it out on the track. Uh, if it continues and becomes an issue where we see something like Denny Hamlin a year later still chasing after one individual, yeah, then you got an issue. So. Uh, go with that. And the last thing, though, to go against Mike, is you were shaking your fist at Tommy earlier for not getting your first pick. You won last week. You didn't get your first pick. I'm sure if I go back and redid the points from Coda, Sharon would let you have Jordan Taylor since you wanted him and she took him. I'm sure she'd give up that 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 uh, finish for you, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I no told it was a long time ago. I don't even remember who I picked. So, I, you know, we'll, just, we'll leave it at Coda. How's that sound? Uh, short memory. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, let's go ahead and do our uh, roundtable. And, Tommy, you have you have kept me kind of uh, smiling here tonight as well. Uh, you have been on fire. Uh, and And it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Um, all right, so Tommy, we'll start with you. Let's see, Jay. Yeah, we'll start with you for the roundtable. Well, thank you all for having me back. Um, it's at Since95Fan on Twitter. I always enjoy being on here. And we enjoy having you. Mike? It's going to be Mike underscore Orzel on Twitter, Mike double underscore O on Reddit. We are in the window. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Listeners of all ages and any other persuasions, we are only one week away from me going to Talladega, and I cannot begin to describe how excited I am to make my return to the greatest show on earth. Not just the racing, but the people watching. Talladega can't get beat. Tickets available now. I don't believe that race is sold out yet. Next weekend following this banger, we're going to have it Martinsville. 
be at Talladega. I'll see you there. <laughs> All right. Uh, Jay? Well, uh, not to put a damper on Mike there, because I hope the weather around here stays good. Right here in the hometown of Columbus, Magnolia Motor Speedway is running, home of the Black Ice, highlighted by the uh, Mississippi Street Stock Series, as well as the Ultimate Street Stock Series Challenge. But I'm going to have to drive past that to go to Jackson, your capital city raceway, for their weekly racing action. So wherever you are, weather permitting, get out and see a race. And you can follow me on social media, Mopar, uh, Mopar MJ8 on Twitter and Instagram, and Michael Huesman on Facebook. All right. Uh, we had Michael, not Michael, we had Austin Wayne Self on the show earlier today from uh, AM Racing, and uh, he's he's uh, been a friend of Fan for Racing for a long time. Uh, we followed him before he was even in the Arkham Menard series, so... Um, we, we, I always enjoy kind of catching up with him. He always gives us a good interview. They, the past week, uh, announced a launch of their dirt division, and so he gives a little bit of background into uh, that coming into existence. It's it's not just a dirt division for one driver. Uh, he is one of the drivers, but there's also other drivers. Uh, he mentioned Buckshot Jones. Was it Buck Jones? Um that is is also driving for that team, um, and they are mentoring other drivers who want to come up through the series uh, and make their way to NASCAR. So uh, I think that's a really good thing that they're doing. They're giving back to the sport, um, and they're kind of helping dirt course racers or dirt uh, track racers uh, learn how to go from dirt to asphalt to get into NASCAR. Um, but the other thing um, uh, that was interesting is that, um, uh, and I don't want to give away too much of it, but um, he is planning to come back to uh, the NASCAR ranks. It's just that they wanted to start this dirt division and uh, uh, give back to the sport, if you will. And uh, I, I have to applaud him for doing that. He, he, I remember talking to Austin when he was trying to get into the Arkham Menard Series and into NASCAR, and he didn't know the path to get there. And what he's doing is he's learned now what that path is, and now he's willing to share that with other drivers that were in the same position that he was in many years ago and kind of give them the guidelines and how to how to – progress through the the racing in order to get into NASCAR. So I think it's a good thing, and um, I would encourage other people to listen to the interview. Um, and and we'll look forward to uh, having Christian Rose, who's also with AM Racing, uh, on the show this coming Monday night. <clears throat> Christian's uh, changed teams this year, um, but he is racing with AM Racing this year. And uh, we'll look forward to catching up with him on Monday. Uh, so with that, I am Pampa Racing site on Twitter, Pampa Racing blog and radio everywhere else, including our website, PampaRacing.com, where we have our uh, radio player, and fans can listen to the live broadcast or the podcast. So we appreciate everybody for tuning in. We appreciate the Pampa Racing crew. 
you guys are great, and uh, you always bring a smile to my face on Mondays and Thursday nights um, as we uh, do the show. So thank you for that. And uh, we'll look forward uh, to seeing everybody again uh, after the racing at Martinsville. I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about. With that, we'll call it a night, guys. Good night, everybody. Good night. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.